to Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I'm here again, once again, with uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, it's Alex Deegan. We're doing um, a we're doing a late night pod. It's late. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's, no, funny. it's not super late. I mean, it's... Uh, well, uh, the funny thing I, I was going to say, like I, a long time ago, I would not have said this was even remotely late. I would have scoffed at myself for saying this was late. Um, I had a friend, like I used to stay up late and like make it not my personality but like enough of like what i what i did to like people would be like that's the guy who loves to stay up late um and like i remember a buddy of mine was like hey do you want to do you want to do this later and like it was he like proposed it at midnight and i was like oh she's like i don't really want to do like we're gonna get in at like five and he was like huh i'm surprised of you like, oh no you got you stripped go to bed you got stripped of your late night credentials. I know I did, um, and it's all it's all been downhill since then. But this is late night to me now, unfortunately. Uh, I'm I'm here with Jay Leno, and everyone else. Um, but yeah, like I think I think it's 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 you know it's late enough that we can have we can have as you as you said like loopy energy for yeah, sure. It's, um, well, you got You should tell the listeners that like we've been talking for like. <laughs> 30 minutes or something yeah we've, <laughs> we've definitely we've definitely wasted some key material uh what, what's funny is that it's like it's even key material that would be like good for um this particular episode which is very funny like, <laughs> it, it was like well okay i'll just give the rundown uh the internet makes you insane bolsonaro used whatsapp to scare grandmas uh, staying wow, that was that was a really quick rundown. Uh, <laughs> smoking weed and how weed has changed. Um, grandmas who smoke weed. Grandmas who smoke weed. Bolsonaro uh, on what's that? No, I don't know. Yeah. Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro getting high. What would that be like? God, I don't think what anything. If, what if the Simpsons smoked marijuana? <laughs> I think Bolsonaro would be immediately hospitalized and they'd remove like a gigantic piece of weed from his chest through his nose. <laughs> Bolsonaro is always about to be hospitalized. He was, I mean, this guy is kind loves of, the hospital. This is kind of gross, but I think something happened where his intestines failed and they were actually removing yeah. waste from through his nose, through yeah, his Yeah, he couldn't. I think it was like he didn't poop for months. God. That's not good. <laughs> There's something if, any, weird. if anyone out there isn't pooping for months, just like, you know what? The DMs are open. Just, just. <laughs> You gotta talk no, to don't about say this. don't say DMs are open. Man, what if they uh, what if they finally do and then they're sending you pictures? Oh no, I don't want pictures, but I do want to help you. Oh, <laughs> like okay. It, okay, as best as best I can. I want to be I want to be someone who like who, you can, who can like be a supportive friend because you need someone if you haven't pooped in months. That's, I was that's just not thinking good. that there's something kind of like mythic and almost like a ghost story about like a strong man leader of a country who's basically dead and always dying. Like that <laughs> almost feels like there's something like operatic and, and like stupid logic of an old ghost story of like, yeah, he was he was a terrible leader who was undefeated because he was always in the hospital or something like totally bizarre like that. It- it reminds me of um, I forget who I was. I was talking to someone about. Oh, this. he could getting... be like a Dark Souls enemy, basically. Oh, well, yeah, like... no, no. Oh, that's what that's. You've actually reminded me where I was talking about this. It was when I was on uh, Dia's what's uh, Let's Play about uh, about Dark Souls, um, and we were like we were going through uh, Anne Orlando because uh, she was she was killing uh, Gwendolyn that day, and uh, I was like I was like you know it's funny like people say like Dark Souls made up all this stuff, but like it really is building on like pretty pretty known tropes like and, and in cool ways i love dark souls but the oh, yeah, um, yeah. but like you know i was like yeah you know it's like the 
the body of the king, like the idea that like, you know, when you have the funeral for the king, you actually like bring an effigy of his body, but then also it's real, like the, that sort of like bait and switch with bodies and, uh, and all that stuff. And I, that, that's that too. That's Bolsonaro again. He's just like, it's literally just the body of the king, just, he, but he's, but he's alive. He's, he's perfected. <laughs> or, or it could be like the, some kind of bizarre, like kind of like portrait of Dorian Gray kind of oh, logic where like yeah. the health, health of the nature depends on him being sick. Is like those who walk away from Omelets, except it's like there's one strong man in Brazil and he's in the hospital all the time. Oh, I think I think it's important that we mythologize Bolsonaro. Uh, no. um, <laughs> I, the weirdest thing about Bolsonaro for the past three weeks is basically him being like even even stupider and even more out in the open than Trump, just being like. Oh, it'd be weird if all my supporters made a coup happen. Oh, it'd be so weird if I am never going to leave here unless I'm dead. Oh, weird. And he's just like hinting at that. Yeah. And like a Jason Miller just shows up there. Yeah. Oh, wait, did that, did, did that happen? I wouldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Of course. Um, I wouldn't yeah, be was... surprised if the, if the Wall Street Journal is just like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not saying a coup would be good, but I'm not saying it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't. Uh, would it be bad? Would like, it be bad? I don't know. Like, today on NPR. Um, Christ, yeah. But like, yeah, no, they, I, I think CPAC Brazil was there. Oh, very, Christ. Very funny. <laughs> God, are their CPAC mutants as bad as ours? What, what does the Brazilian well, I, CPAC I don't know. mutant look like? I don't, I don't even know what CPAC would be because isn't like CPAC uh, – I guess it's the Americas. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's how they make it work because I thought CPAC was an explicitly – american thing but i guess not it is but I, I feel like that that general tone and style is is easily easily franchised out around the world oh you sure. know like especially i i mean specifically the stupid americans there's probably like just little ben shapiro clones and little whatevers that can be uh built up in any other country Oh, for sure. And I think like, I think, you know, like, especially when, um, you know, you, it, it literally is just like a lifestyle brand that people see on, on whatever channel they're on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've seen the Q documentary. I know what's up. Um, I've, I've seen the Q documentary and said to my wife, I got into a fight with that person on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that person follows me on Twitter. It was know, funny like, that I, I watched the Q documentary and like, I was just recently, actually, like two weeks ago, I was hanging out with some people I hadn't seen in a while, and they're like, "Did you see that? That was pretty messed up." And I think the documentary was wildly irresponsible. And I was like, "Oh, why?" And they're like, "Oh, it gave those people it gave those people an outlet." And I was like, "Those people have a bigger outlet." They were talking about the <laughs> documentary, and I was yeah. like, "I was like, those people have." some of the biggest outlets in the world right now like their shit <laughs> dominates facebook the internet like fox news is down wow the, like that's that's like that's really surprising that yeah like, I, I was totally mind that. blown that they were like oh no if the two watkin mutant people get to speak in this documentary people hear their evil message and i was like yeah your grandma's been hearing it every day for six years <laughs> i you know it is funny though because the the documentary really does kind of like play that up like like I don't know if we should talk to Ron Watkins. He's pretty scary. <laughs> like the thing that actually bugged me out the most about that is is those guys are the perfect kind of shithead mutant libertarian asshole who has money and like when I watched that Q documentary it just reminded me of like 2015-2016 where Oh like, yeah. Did like a nerd would just be like Oh, we got a uh, four one thousand four hundred eighty-eight dollars. You know what that stands for? Fourteen eighty-eight. 
And they're like, is that a Nazi thing? Like, I don't know. And then the conversation <laughs> ends there instead of saying like, ha, that's a Nazi thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, honestly, like, I, I feel like with like the code monkey stuff or I forget, I, I, I say that cause I forget which Watkins he was, but like the younger Watkins where they talked to him, it was like, it always was that stupid arch, like internet thing where he's like, oh, if I was, uh, if I was, if I was Q, which, uh, I'm not. I'm not cute, but it, but if I was, it's like, oh, just shut up, it's dude. It's funny that our fucking legacy media played footsie with those people until Trump lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> until January 6th, they still was like that plausible deniability. Like, this guy is called like uh, Hitler Stomper 1488, but I don't know what's in his heart. Can you say that he's racist? And then we went and talked to him and he was like, Am I? I don't know. You know, like, and they're like, so who's to say? Like, that was the news for half a decade. God, that news. Yeah, that was awful. So, I mean, it's, it, but it's happening again. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, to be like, I won't tell tales out of school because it's someone who, you know, is a, is a bit of a, of a third rail on Twitter, but like, um, on our particular Twitter, I suppose. Yeah, our, our shared I, 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 Twitter, I'm just, which I'm is just... dog rates. Um, that Alex and I run. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We just have to put white names on the dog so we can make money. Apologies. It, it affects it's not racist. Post... It's not racist. We just I don't know why you money. guys don't understand. It affects how the post does. <laughs> Wait, I'm seriously running through my mind wondering who you could be talking about in this. Oh, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Like, I don't, I don't. It's fine. I can disagree with someone on my podcast. Um, uh, but it's uh, Liz Bernick put out a piece today about um, how like we should probably go and like um, try and get in the mindset of someone who doesn't want the vaccine because that's going to be a better way to convince them. Um, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I fully agree with the, the fact that saying there's one simple reason why somebody wouldn't want the vaccine is oversimplifying things and, and won't help us in any way but then again that is along the lines of a sort of like you have to befriend nazis thing but the thing that 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 bothers me the most about that is how i personally feel about someone who wants the vaccine or doesn't want the vaccine is so besides the point (laughs) yeah that no that's exactly right like if if we had like if if we had a federal (laughs) mandate then it could fight it legally but it just being a culture war thing of like you know they they went they I for a second thought, okay, they're going to stop interviewing every rich asshole in the country who's pretending no. to be a poor white person when they're not. Finally, that will end now. Like we had fucking six years of that. And now they just interview the same people who are like, you know, people in like bizarro salt of the earth drag who are just like, I'm just a shit kicking blah, blah, blah. And you look at them, you're like, Oh, this person like <laughs> I'm a, I don't know owns like like some gigantic manufactory somewhere. Yeah, I'm a I'm a hardworking man of the soil, and I own seven bars and restaurants. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so we're just back on that. So yeah, I, I I do think that like I don't want to take the liberal thing of like believe science or don't believe science. Like oh that yeah, that's shit. also yeah whatever. because like honestly, if if in America. We have no healthcare system, and everything in healthcare like can fucking ruin your life if you go to the hospital and whatnot. That people oh, yeah. who trust medicine is as simple and makes total sense. Correct. Yeah, I, I think mean, like there are what's... things that the powerful could do as far as mandating and and messaging, which 
to be honest, they've been fucking up the messaging since the very beginning. Oh my god, just and like horribly, yes. So, but yeah, then again, having to know the hearts and souls and actually bend over backwards for people who I don't know. <laughs> like but I mean the other thing is like as you said, like it's never you're never actually talking to people where it's like, "Huh, I wonder like like the 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 specter that's always brought up is like this this um you know mysterious person who is like well what if it was a black person who said that like it's like okay i yeah, okay if it was that would be sort of you know fine you know, t- tell me about it but that's not ever the person they talk to they're always like well you know tuskegee made black people like you know people of color especially like terrified yeah. of vaccines it's like yeah that okay yeah that's sense. super interesting history i believe it um did you talk to any of them? No, no we no. talked to this guy who thinks like vaccines are like autism magnets. Like, that's, okay, cool, great, thank you. Yeah, um, but that's always how it is. I remember in the yeah, fuck it. <laughs> it's just it's it's everything about that though. I'm just saying like I haven't read Brunick's post. I didn't even know you were going to bring that. I thought you were going to bring up something totally different. Oh no 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 yeah she but, she wrote it for the Atlantic. It was it was one of her new things there. But like but, I, I think but like, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. like the the centering it for it to be a cultural thing about our feelings towards a, uh, a grieved group of people is so besides the point about like a fucking plague. You know what I mean? Like to be honest, if anything, we should be looking at a sort of concerted effort culturally for control and power by powerful people to convince a lot of people not to take the vaccine. We should yeah. be looking at who's doing that and why. Yeah, I haven't seen no, any sure. fucking journalistic shoe leather to figure out if it's like the Mercers or somebody bankrolling this. Odds are an actual journalist will will figure that out. But like, you know, it's it's the whole thing about like, you know, luckily we're out of it now because the liberals got freaked out about January 6th. But we also, again, had another half a decade of like, shouldn't you befriend Nazis, though? And it's like, yeah, right. No. Well, and, that, and then that's that's like, the, yeah, God. But it, that's always that's always the way where it's like you you end up you end up having these sort of screeds about about de-radicalization. Like, well, what does de-radicalization count as? And it's like, well, probably not just like accepting the, you know, the stuff I don't like. Like, I don't think that's probably but, it. But here's the, the weirdest thing about reaching out and de-radicalization and all this stuff seems to center a group that constantly needs to be centered and needs to have people bending over backwards. For oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, never, and, and, and it's, it's always, it's, it's always never, a concession yeah. you or I are making. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's that concession has never moved in the direction of, I don't know, anybody other than them. <laughs> like, right. And so the de-radicalization thing is a, is a real fucking crazy third rail that like, I don't even know if the story's worth telling, but somebody was like, and who knows? Sometimes there's all this shit that counts as politics, but it's just all these idiot bread tube Twitch streamer people who turn out to be <laughs> racists later. And then like, I don't know any of their fucking names and people are like, this is what's wrong with the left. And it's like, I don't know, like boxy one twenty eight said the N word in a discord. And I'm like, well, who the fuck are these people? That's not yeah, why, why, why is this person the left? <laughs> but I guess enough of them were getting outed for fairly recently being on the sort of edge lordy 4chan world, which, you know, take this as you will, people get offended by this, but is Nazi adjacent, if not Nazi, 
And I saw a lot of people, like, maybe this was last spring or something, being like, well, most people have a Nazi phase. Like, it's normal. Everybody has a Nazi phase. In your oh, history. yeah. I remember that. And, and I don't even know what started that. But I remember someone was like, yo, white people, honestly, do you have a Nazi phase? And I was like, no, I don't. And I don't know anybody who does. I remember Nazi punks trying to take over certain spaces. But they weren't people who were having phases, and they weren't me, and they weren't my friends having phases. It wasn't yeah, I, like it wasn't like that. Like remember that summer when I pretended I was a Satanist and drew pentagrams on it? It's not the same thing. Like well, it's like yeah, I think like my the closest I thinking about that. I was like the closest I had was like wondering if Death and June were good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, being like, mm, yeah, these guys, <laughs> these guys kind of have some stuff that I don't love in there. I think a lot of people who are ten years older than us had real Nazi phases because Nazism was so on the run that they liked the sort of taboo flirting with it in the nineties. Sure. Absolutely. Is corny which shit. is, I mean, that's what, that's all the death and June was doing. I mean, they so, were just trying to be like, so I said, I didn't have a Nazi phase and, uh, it became fairly viral, I guess, because it was a response to a question about, is it normal that most white people have a Nazi phase? It's extenuating circumstance. I'm half Jewish, so, you know, it wouldn't even... <laughs> what would your Nazi face even have been? I would just cut myself in half. But, like, I, so that went viral. And you know how when there's, like, something going on the internet that's an argument you're not even aware of and people start arguing with you about it? And you're like... Oh, yeah, yeah, about? yeah. So Please, all, please stop doing this. Yeah. Like, when, I don't... When, when, that, when that went viral, people started being like, oh, so you think all people who ever said something bad should be be thrown out of society forever is that what you're saying there's no de-radicalization there's no and i was getting yelled at as part of this argument as if i was saying like anybody who ever had a quote nazi phase should be shot and 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 i was thinking like is this like a fucking op like who are these people having this argument yeah, no, so, it's, I mean, it's a perfectly reasonable question at a certain point where it's like, who, like, where, where did this come from? Why are so, you all, why are you all saying this about me? So the only reason I bring that up is just like, when there are Nazis marching in our fucking towns and coming into towns and causing shit and the cops are on their side and everything, the fact that the conversation would be about how we treat them well, how, how we're nice to them to make them stop being Nazis is so fucking beside the point. Who else has ever extended that? No, no one is. No I one. mean, honestly, any any sort of other any sort of position that is even sort of like I, I probably like center yeah. is like is seen as like well when you grow up talk to me then right like and with with Nazis it's like well you know what it's, these country people have some thoughts <laughs> well so I feel that I feel that way kind of about. I'm not saying that the anti-vaxxers are Nazis, but but the virulent, like, fucked up Q people and whatnot, I feel pain for them because I can understand, I don't know, I just, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends this weekend for Labor Day, and a friend of mine was telling me he didn't believe, he thought that flat earth people were doing it as a joke, that there weren't any true believers. Oh. And I was like, no. No, they're out there. There are tons of true believers. Like, there are also tons of people joking. And he just like couldn't get, he couldn't like accept that. And he was like, he was like, but why would you actually believe that? And I was like, well, when everything is, you're told for your whole life is a fucking lie from, from all of the main sources, you know, of course you're going to start making your own narratives up about what's right. wrong. Like, especially ones no, that don't no. challenge any powerful people who will fight you on it. Like, you know. Yeah, for sure. 
So like, I think like yeah, I think I think that's that's right. And like it it is it's it's a way of having power. And it's also like it's also just like become this it's become a shibboleth for some of the worst people in the world too. So like that's where it becomes a problem where like someone sees Q and is like, "Oh, cool. Like I can absolutely like use these people's disenfranchisement and make them feel of like course. like love me instead." Right? I don't know. Somebody was showing footage months and months ago, maybe even last year, of a Q rally of people in Los Angeles, and everybody's signs were about such wildly different things. Mm. And it seemed like people talking about their own personal trauma, which is a thing you're not even allowed to talk about in this country. Sadly, you have to become like a religious believer. Podcaster. Or a podcaster. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying like you you have to fall in with this crazy worldview about supporting assholes who are, I don't know, going to save you in this totally bizarre way. And I was thinking, like, I was just looking at, at all these women who had signs about about child molestation never leading to arrests. I was thinking, like, yeah, man, <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, you ain't wrong, yeah. <laughs> it's not wrong. The sad thing is we have no recourse in this, and these people might very well be carrying actual true trauma about these very things and the only outlet that they're allowed is is this crazy fucked up fascist conspiracy theory well yeah and i like i I think like there's a there was a a post going around that like i think even like the most sort of like irony poisoned people i mean listen like it's not as if i i'll i'll cop to being one of I'll, i'll cop to being irony poisoned myself in a lot of ways like my sincerity is hard hard to get back but like not me, really? man. I'm the most sincere person in the world. It's true. Oh, you are very sincere. <laughs> I'm kind you of sincerely. Not you sincerely quit Twitter at least twice. Other, a day. other than that, other than that, yeah. Anyway, keep uh, going. No, no. I, I, yeah, yeah. You are actually very sincere, but the um, <laughs> and in, in all seriousness, no. Um, what I'm saying. Uh, I, no, I just want you to know that I know that. Uh, okay. But uh, I, I know this. I know this. Uh, but yeah, like I was, uh, you know, the, even even the most irony poisoned people were like, oh, this depresses the hell out of me. Where the person was like, um, my he's like, I'm a Parkland survivor, and my dad has started believing that I'm an op and like oh, lying no. to him. And oh, he's like, no. yeah, he was like, you know, he's asked me like how much Soros is paying me and like why I would do this, like why I would lie to <laughs> my family and stuff. And he's like, the guy, the kid was like, it just like it triggers my P- PTSD every single time because like. Whenever oh my he God, says that, I'm right back there. That's so heartbreaking and insane. Yeah, it's just like it, it was like it was crazy to the point where you're just like, wow, okay, like I really like I want to read this to know what this is about because it feels very of the moment or like of my world. And then also it's like, oh, this is just this is horrible. Like I, I can't I can't I can't look at this for one more minute. Yeah. And like I feel like that's that's where the rubber hits the road with this stuff where you're just like, you know, if you look at that and you're just like, oh yeah, like people lose their families to this because it's like just people being like, you know, tuned into this sort of like feedback loop where everything they think is true is true See, but until the, the, they the, stop the, believing anything that isn't. The thing about Q is like at this point, it's just a fragment of the culture and it's not the absolute yeah. macro culture, but the, there are things in the macro culture that are like, I don't know. Think about, think about, Still parents who will choose hating gay people over their own child and mm-hmm. basically kick them out of the family. I, I have members sure. of my own family. I have a very mixed family and I know, well, 
they're deceased, but older members of the family were like, oh, these members of my family are the good ones, but for, mm. but for my own identity and the symbolic order of the world, I have to believe that the good ones are who I know, but they are deeply outnumbered by the bad ones who I don't know. Specifically black people in this case. So I'm just oh, okay. saying, like, that being a reality, someone saying, like, my son is a fucking crisis actor is not that strange. It's just the specifics are insane. Correct, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the same thing as being, like, as, like, someone coming out to their parents and saying, like, you know, I'm gay, and then being like, well, you're not. You're, you're confused. Or, and, like, and we'll or trans to, like, at this a, point. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not far – that's not, you know, strange at all to think about, like, people – that happens to people who are trans all the time. I mean, um, my, my grandfather was a socialist who believed in the brotherhood of all mankind and uh, was deeply freaked out that my father married a, a non-Jewish woman and had to come to terms <laughs> with that, which just makes no fucking sense to me because he was in one of the first, like, unions that had people of all races in it, and it, but still in his own life, he, you know, going It's that classic... Of, uh, he was also good, an atheist. Good for, good for thee, not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, so yeah. just a, a cultural thing, he had to come to terms with that. So it's like... Yeah, I'm not... By the way, I'm not saying this is relative and Q people are okay. I'm saying all of this is bad. It's just we're used to much broader uh, yeah it's 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 a specific iteration of a of a horrible thing that that tends to happen um anyway let's change the subject yeah let's change let's change it right now so uh, this is dark souls you're about the thing about dark souls that i always thought when you were talking about it it uses it uses uh like sort of ancient sort of almost archetypes i always thought of dark souls as having this is such a stupid setup, but it just felt like either like post-apocalypse, but not apocalypse in the sense of like one event going wrong and leading to mm-hmm. desolation as much as the end of end. When you have sort of fantasy or mythic ideas, one of the main points of fantasy or myth is ordering the universe itself into like characters and stuff, right. and character yeah. actions. And once those things have stopped making sense or have died, that's the world of, it's a sort of like a mythic apocalypse. And that's why I always was deeply compelled by those worlds. Oh yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think like, you know, the, the sort of constant refrain of, um, of dark souls, uh, lore that, that you hear a lot. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I, I was able to track it down for the book, which I was thrilled about because, I thought it was probably just a myth and he had never actually said it. And then I found the interview and I was like, oh, this is so good. Like he actually did say it. Um, But uh, uh, Miyazaki says at one point that um, he when he was uh, young, it wasn't when he was very young, but it was when he was younger, I guess. He he really enjoyed reading uh, fantasy novels. But when he read fantasy novels, he could only he only really ever read them in translate like not in translation. So they were in English. Oh, yeah. And, I think you yeah, keep going. I, yeah, yeah. He, I, like, I, I've heard this and I was going to say you told me this, but very, it's very, possible. It's also possible that I was listening to a podcast of you talking. And ah, yes. And classic. Had, had a parasocial thing where I was like, yes, Trevor said this to me. Direct. Yeah. Like, keep, 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 yeah keep going. A- Alex, listen to me. <laughs> why, why, are you, why are you saying that in our episode? <laughs> Alex, it's Trevor. Um, but yeah, like the yeah, the, 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 um, like the, he said, like, you know, the, the, um, uh, like the, um, you know, the, the trick with, the trick with, um, 
the fantasy that I love is like I can't I have no idea. I, I didn't read it in like translation. I couldn't understand exactly what was going on. So it was all these sort of like half understood concepts and ideas. And he was like, it was it was interesting and cool, but like at the same point, it was also something that like I was just kind of like making it up as I went along. So I got these half understood visions, right? And like that really is in a lot of ways what Dark Souls is. Like it it just kind of it works in the way that it's supposed to work because it because um Miyazaki is like just like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't know how these fantasy stories work. So maybe like there's like maybe in Rumpelstiltskin everyone's dead and that's why we <laughs> get the like or maybe like yeah. So it's like it is it is this sort of um this understanding of fantasy that is highly disordered, right? Like highly sort of focused on the the nature of um lack and 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 loss as opposed to uh you know coming back together in the end yeah but i mean it's also funny that i think i don't know i mean in retro in in retrospect in in after the fact like lots of times people order make a sort of like genealogy of of artists and like this person made this thing which influenced this thing which influenced Mm -hmm. this thing and after the fact it makes sense but I think with making art or anything, the part uh, the parts of things that influence you to make anything are always wildly different and are fully your interpretation. Mm. That like so much stuff, I think like it's just weird to like. I don't know with music all the time. If I if I ever read artists be like, "Oh, I was trying to do X, but Y happened," and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like. I was listening to an interview with uh, Frank Black from Pixies who was, or maybe it was just a demo and he was like, yeah, I really want this song to sound like Husker Du and he just plays a song that sounds like Pixies and you're like, okay. <laughs> like, he, he thought he was he was aiming for, for a totally different band and ended up making his signature insane style. Yeah, it's a, it's a demo for, for I think, the song Caribou. And you're just That's like, really cool. you're like, this doesn't sound like uh, <laughs> Husker Du This doesn't sound all. like Husker <laughs> Du. But, but yeah. So, he's, got, he's got that secret version of uh, Zen Arcade. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, I, I also understand that, that I feel like, you know, I was always, before I could speak Japanese or read Japanese, I had a bunch of old Japanese comics that a friend gave me that I would just like pour through and just imagine what the stories were. And so mm. it's like, I wonder if what I make isn't totally influenced by what I was imagining much more than, a, than yeah. what, is, what was actually there. And I mean, when you, when you were giving the prompts out to people of, of like, why video games... I probably have like the, I'm not even someone who makes video games, but I, I think they've been really, you don't, <laughs> I, I want to, but uh, you know, I'd have to, can't believe you got to this podcast. With... <laughs> I was, I was fed up. I'm just fed a line. No, uh, I, I actually, just, made I'm just a, kidding. I actually made a wildly influential video game that was influential for one person. And uh, there was a time that if you search for the name of the video game, I made it click and play. You would mm. find you would find old interviews from Derek Yu talking about how he loved the game and how he was looking for it. Oh, so, interesting! So well, there you go. So I made Spelunky in a way. No, I, I did it. <laughs> I made I made an insanely weird, junky JRPG in, in like click and play, which is like just a modular game making tool. That's yeah, super, Spelunky, right? 
<laughs> That's what Spelunky is, right? Not at all. But it's just funny that I, I remember like, you know, probably like a decade after the fact, this was like pre-YouTube, pre-everything, all the message boards are that it's on like the Wayback Machine. You can't find any links to it. Looking for it and finding an interview with Derek Ewan and being like, what the fuck? So. <laughs> You liked that? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, no. it was it was crap, but I I, I think it must have uh, must have it must have it must have like spoken to him in a certain way. Yeah, I mean that's like so that's like one of the things, right? Where like I, I think to to sort of get to the the meat of the episode, like I it, or the beginning of the meat of the episode, like the <laughs> the like the question of of like why any of this, right? Like I, I think like I'm interested in in your thoughts on video games as always, but like. I'm also more so than ever, well, more so than ever on the podcast. I'm always interested in this in, in real life. Um, like more so than ever, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on like why any of the kinds of art that you choose to, to, to do, like why, why comics? Why, like, why well, do you, why do you approach this stuff? Like why, or even like, even to the point of like, why do you, why do you sort of um, tie yourself to like an aesthetic production to begin with as something that you do i mean i don't really have a good answer for the last part but and also i don't have a good answer for the first part and also no, the, the, <laughs> good answers look good answers i'm gonna i'm, gonna, like, no, I'm just I'm joking gonna, i was just i'm gonna sound like i'm gonna sound like i'm like a member of the grateful dead like i think if anyone if anyone has like a good answer to these questions they're actually bad answers like yeah if, if someone has like a simple like Art well, here's why. Yeah. Like, I've worked this out. I have a tight five for why I think, you know, it's like, that's a terrible answer. I mean, there's a weird thing, especially that I would find in academia, that if you argued for novelty in any work, like any work of art, you were immediately like a totally naive fool because there is no novelty in anything. And actually anything can be tracked to sources and, and styles and like tropisms within it. So saying like this thing is doing a thing I've never seen before is actually just a showing of your own ignorance. Right. Right. Yeah. And that kind of has made it. So I don't ever want to get involved in academia because to me, the aesthetic experience, the moment of actually like reading something or playing a video game or listening to music, seeing a movie usually is a totally new moment. And mm. even if it's a thing you've seen or read before a million times, if it's good, you will have new responses to it, new feelings yeah. about it, notice new things about it. So like the, why anything? I mean, we can talk about like the social and we're, we're in a really weird time now where, you know, we kind of talked about this last time I was on the podcast where I just think that like we have a, we have a stand in for, politics which is cultural affect and sort of the fuel for that is art but also the way we talk about art has nothing to do with like aesthetic experiences as much as it's like joining a team <laughs> you know it's right oh yeah no 100 percent. yeah yeah and and if if your experience with art is consumption and your experience is public you won't be able to sit and think on a thing, nor will you be able to kind of get lost in or get drunk on it. You know what I mean? It, it'll constantly be a thing where you'll have the anxiety of being seen while you're seeing, you know, and I don't know if for me personally, like, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, it's well, I no, no, I'm just, I'm laughing because it's well said. Like the idea of being seen while seeing is a, well, as I, a, as a, as a fear, right? Like as something that is, that is a, a marker of anxiety. Well, I, I think, 
I don't think we can talk about identity in the modern age without seeing it as, as having extreme anxiety in it because it's a performance that's has to be seen to be real. And it also, if the realness of it is something that has to be granted by other people, mm-hmm. that means we're in a total relationship of surveillance with everyone, the people we care about and also strangers. Like that can't be anything but anxiety making. Like yeah. if, if your validity as a person can be reduced to like performance and consumption and even consumption of the right things the wrong way, you know, art doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's my argument. But like, what, like, the, I, I think politics being a sort of fake, essentialized cultural thing that comes through consumption makes it so we don't see art as an aesthetic experience that we actually process. Right. Like, the, what, what you process is the label of the thing you process the label of the thing and what it says it will do for you. You don't actually get challenged or, or, or confused or fall in love with a work. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. Yeah. 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 No, no, you're absolutely right. Like I think, I think the, you know, the trick with the trick of thinking about art this way or the trick of thinking about art as like a, a, a series of boxes to check or, or not check is that it, it, it's much more about like, um, I mean, to sort of like to sort of bring up a term that is like deeply irritating, but but probably also also true uh, to at least in terms of like how to how how it's expressed. Like, it is more about curation than it is about appreciation. Absolutely, or analysis. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also that curation ends up becoming like a you know something you wear, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> something you wear so people know, which is it makes sense. Like, I'm interested in talking to people who are interested in what I'm interested in. But like, yeah, I, I, I just think that if we all treat art as like insured experience that are just like taking pills, you know, that will in many ways do politics and do emotions and do identity for us, we, we won't, we actually, I feel like we actually kind of starve after a while and go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. No, I, I agree. And I think like, like Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, I've been, I've been really interested. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen or not. Um, you don't have to admit it one way or the other. I don't, I don't know. I think Sean's behind on the podcast, so you can. But um, I've been listening a lot and enjoying a lot. Um, our mutual friend uh, Sean McTiernan's uh, podcast with uh, Astrid Ann Rose, um, live at the Death Factory. Yeah, and no, um, I did, I did the, uh, I did the art for it. Oh yes, I'm you just did. telling the, I'm telling the listeners. <laughs> I knew this, but yes, I forgot that that was that connection. Whatever I look at it, I'm like, that's Deegan's art. Yeah. But for some reason, when I said it there, I completely forgot that that was Deegan's art. Oh, or I forgot to say it anyway. Are you but talking? The, are you talking about the newest episode, the the one about that horrible snuff film shit? Uh, yeah, actually, both. Where like, the, so the one episode, the uh, not both. Sorry, uh, the one episode of like of. Um, the one episode of of the show that I think is really interesting is um, is that new one, the, and we could talk about that actually because that was that was like fascinating to me. See, I, um, I really like that one just as sort of it's funny because they say like we're scum cinema, we like these really extreme things, but it became sort of like that review to to explain to the listener. This is a this is a show that talks about 
quote unquote scum cinema. I don't know what the definition of it's just kind of like exploitation and schlock stuff. But, yeah, and I think a lot of I think a lot of the show itself is sort of like the other one I was thinking of was they they do a they do an episode on uh, Eric Guru. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which is excellent because uh, the whole thing, like they they both really like Aragoro, and they're they're like, okay, so like, what is Aragoro? And see, like, see, that's what I was gonna say. Two Here, seconds in, they're like, two seconds in, they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> see, see, I like the I like the one where they watched this pretty indefensible and and shitty movie, and it became a sort of statement of purpose of why they like what they like. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of like reaction shit that is like check this out this fucking sucks and that's not at all what of course either of them were doing if anything it no. actually what i liked about that episode a lot is they really refined why they like what they like and what this adjacent thing or thing yeah they really they be. really lived by the by the the sword as far as that one where, where it went where it came both like yeah okay like if, if we're really going to be serious about saying that we're not gonna like just rag on things and and do it like a so bad it's good show yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like then we have to like be serious about megan is missing yeah and, like, oh, that's actually what talk called. about yeah. this stupid movie and like this evil movie well that, uh, that's and, what was nice about it is because i know i never have to watch it <laughs> yeah right exactly but like i liked i liked that episode and the arrow girl episode because they they do like the arrow girl episode does it in the same way because it's like but it's a a, a form they like where they're like, yeah, we can define this. And then like midway through, they're like, we cannot define this. Like we can curate you a list of things that are supposed to be Aragoro. But like, I, yeah, I got no idea what this should be like. This is, this is great. Like, you know, Astrid says like a million times, she's like, I, I, I wish I could have come up with better research for this, but no one has a good definition of what this is. Well, because I'm, because I'm a nerd and an annoying person, I actually sent Sean a bunch of DMs about my, my understanding of, of the uh, origin of that term. <laughs> And then he logged off. Yeah. And then he <laughs> what did you do, D? Quit Twitter forever. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you were one of the people that uh, he he probably uh, referenced obliquely in the episode where you were one of the two English speaking people who would correct them on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think like I think like what was what was so good to me about that was like there's so many ways that there's so many ways that like the the concept of um curation just becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like yeah you know what like we're gonna do create we're gonna do curation of this and and that means that we have to have a definition of what the genre is and like okay so here's what it is and like you know maybe we didn't find anything online but we're coming up with our own definition and like this didn't it was it was basically just admitting like yeah this might just be sort of made up in a certain way like especially the way it's used right now like it's uh, you know yeah it's it, it doesn't it doesn't really work and i think that's like to sort of get back to to what we were talking about i think there's like there's a way that art people resist talking about art that way anymore because it, it is i don't know it's an extremely um it's an extremely vulnerable place to put yourself you have to sort of admit that you don't know something which is like a a scary thing to admit yeah and and also i i think you have to admit that your feelings that you have that are either elicited by or for art, you have to admit that they fully can't be explained or defended if they're, mm -hmm. if they're put into a thing of being defended, you know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's hard to know why I like what I like and I could come up with a lot of high minded reasons for it, but like, 
there's so much stuff I don't know why I like one thing and not another or, or like one aspect of the thing. But I, I, the reason I was, you know, also you brought up Sean earlier and the two of you were talking shit about poetry last time he was on. Yeah, and then and I, I got a lot of people. I, I will say wrong. Sean was <laughs> Sean was talking shit. About, I've no. written a lot of I've written a lot of very important papers. I'm, I'm just <laughs> joking. I'm pretty sure you were also saying it flippantly. But the only reason I brought that up is the other day I missed this. I had my phone off for like eight hours. And there was some kind of dust up where somebody said that poetry actually cannot affect social change. And oh, was, yeah. They mentioned that in the Megan is missing thing. That was it, like a controversy. They He had asked her, like, if people were talking about whether or not art has morality on Twitter. Oh, that's just probably a totally separate one. Oh, I, I, okay. I think someone said that poetry cannot affect political change. And then she was fired from her poetry magazine wow someone who knows better can can tell you i i, I missed the whole thing and i was okay like, yeah i saw people reacting to it and i was <laughs> like do i really want to find out i, I just saw who got people, fired for what yeah, I, I i don't I, I just saw people subtweeting like yeah of course poetry doesn't mean anything actually poetry's bad and i was just like well i mean that's po- not true poetry is good it's just that i think we've been sold an idea and we continue to sell each other an idea that actual political change will come through the right art made by the right person in the right way. Right. Which, everyone knows, everyone knows the Kurt Vonnegut quote about the, uh, the, the banana cream pie. Oh, uh, the Vietnam war from a height of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like a good quote. That's, but a, good, that's a good quote. But instead of seeing that and getting sad about it, I, I think the argument would be that we need to actually build political power through political movements. You know what I mean? Poetry, no, it's just about getting sad. Po- poetry <laughs> could not literally build a political movement while you passively read it, but poetry no. will fuel you while you build a political movement. I think that's the difference. Like, uh, if, no, I I agree, and like, I like I think like I think there's you know like there's there's a couple of ways to understand poetry as like regressive or whatever if you wanted to like you could you could do a reading of whatever like you could do a reading of the conceptual school and say like yeah Kenneth Goldsmith is de radicalizing poets or like. But like, there's like, there's, there's also just like the fact that here I'll defend poetry in a way that I really believe. Uh, I really do believe this. Like, I'm I think, making you sincere. That's oh my God, no! The sincere man's locked on. Uh, uh, but no, it's. I think like I don't think there's a more potent and like effective short version of um, the kind of anger that was. Uh, so fueled the black arts movement as uh, Gwendolyn Brooks's riot. I think yeah. Gwendolyn Brooks's riot is like a perfect poem. Um, and I think it's perfect because it is a poem. Like you couldn't do riot in any other way because it speaks to a certain language that is and, and more also, felt than understood. And also if it was, if it was auto fiction or first person re- reporting of something, it would lack a sort of universal and transcendent energy that it gets yes. by being poetry. One hundred percent. Yes. If it was literally X Y Z, here's the information. It wouldn't have the staying power, or not even staying. Staying power is a stupid word. It wouldn't become something beyond <laughs> just a simple report of one person. Sorry, I'm just laughing about staying, staying power. power. Like, yeah. like you're like this gotta let Brooks Broad is gonna stay around. This going places. Put your money on it. No, but but you get what I'm saying. Like I do. It's like yeah, and I I so like. I think we, a lot of people I know 
who are, you know, my age or slightly younger, are really distraught right now as the world fucking melts around us, that they feel like they were sold a bill of goods that if they made the right art, everything would be okay. I Mm, feel that too. mm. It's very sad. But because so much of how powerless we are (laughs) means that we feel powerful by externalizing our self-hatred into something, I'm seeing everybody just be like, no, it was all lies. Actually, anything good about the human soul or us like being together or communicating was actually all lies. And it's like, yeah, I think that's another illusion of control by beating the shit out of yourself. But like, well, yeah, no, I mean, at that point, you can you can it's taking your ball home. It's it's saying like, well, I give up. Yeah. And and that's that's I mean, that's very potent, too. Well, don't get me wrong. Also, you know. When everything's wrong, you don't want to be like, no, but actually you should write write a, a short story about a flower or something. Like, of course, you'll be all angry and be like, fuck that. But then again, you could. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just I just <laughs> I would just say that like top down power wise, we are given like works of art and songs and cultural things that are supposed to do the work of politics for us. And usually when like the people in control give that to us it's like i don't even know how to articulate this it's 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 sort of like a capitulation on your way that if you ever received identity which is this powerful one or received way of thinking or being that that lets you align with power that's the easiest path and always will be you know what i mean well so there's I don't know if you've listened to this. I can't imagine you have. It's it's not a particularly good podcast. It was it was nice for. Um, I'll say this. It was nice for uh, uh, a, a long drive. Like I I listened to it on a long drive basically, um, and it was good because it it was a narrative podcast, which are great on long drives. Um, it was called Winds of Change. I don't know if you know this podcast or not, but um, no, I don't. I don't know. It's all right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't look it up necessarily. It's it's a very sort of like. <laughs> you know, high product, high production value and PRE kind of thing in, in a lot of ways. But it um, it's about uh, it's about the um, it's about the the Scorpion song Wind of Change, which is like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Was that like a Bill and Ted movie? Where, how do I know that? It's just like it's a it's a big deal song. Like yeah. I guess like I guess like so he reveals and it's like, oh, was all, it was it connected to the fall of the Berlin Wall for some it reason? Was, That's yeah, how I know it. Okay. It has like a really, really like storied history that way. Because it is about that. Like it's about like, you know, the the Scorpions be playing in Gorky Park and being like, oh yeah, like we're playing in Moscow and being like, yeah, like all these people love our music so much. The Soviet Union's gonna fall, and expression's gonna reign supreme. Because you know, like musicians don't like again, like that's not how political power works. You don't hope that the Scorpions say the right thing. But like the the interesting thing about the show isn't necessarily it's basically this show where he he hears from a friend who has like contacts in the CIA that like the scorpions uh didn't write that song that the CIA wrote the song <laughs> and so he spends the whole the whole show kind of trying to figure out if this is true which is like kind of interesting like, that's that's, 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 that's awesome. interesting does he find out anything definitive no, of course not, because it's one of those shows, right? It's just so funny. Also, part of the thing of of all of my friends who are now just like, yeah, actually, all expressions of art are actually, you know, like <laughs> sus as fuck. And actually, did you know the CIA did X, Y, Z? And it's funny because, like, of course, the CIA funds everything. But the idea that being like, 
did you know that all American art post-war was product of the CIA? It's like, the CIA funds everything. The CIA funded James Baldwin when he was in France against him knowing, like, yeah. shit that he was writing that was against America because they put their fingers in everything so when they need to, they might have a convenient place. Like, and it, right. having to have that argument with people who just kind of want to believe, like, like a Gnostic idea of the cosmos and we're living under the Demiurge and the Demiurge is capitalism. Oh, people love the Demiurge. And Demiurge is having an absolute moment. It's it's archons or the CIA and like literally by being made out of matter, you are owned by them. Except right. being owned by, being built out of language and culture, you're like, the CIA is in your blood. And it's like, okay. So, I get it. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. They are connected throughout the history of our country, especially the last 70 years. But like, uh, yeah. so like it's, but it's interesting. Cause like the, the thing you brought up there is, is like absolutely what I found interesting about the podcast, which is, so he, he finds like the, the actual sort of story. He, he even ends up talking to the lead singer of the, the scorpions, which is like a far more interesting interview than I, I think like I would have expected. And like, you know, it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it has like, it has like, it has like, kind of predictable politics and stuff like that. It's, it's okay. Like, let it's, me guess it's, it's a, radical centrism. It's a, oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Turns out America does some bad stuff, but Hey, did you know that the Soviet union weren't exactly angels? Um, <laughs> yo, you're saying that as a joke, but literally I've been having the complete opposite with, you know, the fact that we're in a time of sort of like, it's very hard to believe in anything because everything is difficult. There are about like six people in my life who are now just like, Hey, I've been reading um, the propaganda organs of the Communist Party of China, and actually everything they say is correct, and everything they're doing is good. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, fine, but also <laughs> like, okay, the Belt and Road Initiative is great if you want to talk about that. And they're like, yeah, and actually everything about um, democratic movements being crushed by them in the 1980s and 90s is a lie made up by Western imperialists. And you're like, no, that shit happened. And people are dead. <laughs> like, and it's the, it's the same conversation you have with people where you have to be like, yeah, uh, I hate capitalism and American imperialism, and I could also hate Stalin. I don't have to choose one. <laughs> And they're like, but oh, actually, Grover first so mad at you right now. <laughs> well, after a while, people are like, well, you know who actually who actually says Stalin was really bad? Those victim of communism Nazis. And it's like, yeah, Nazis can say a thing because <laughs> they're lying and they're working an angle, and I yeah. can say a thing because it's the truth, and it doesn't mean I'm agreeing with the Nazis. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and like, I so like one of the things one of the things that happens in the in the in the podcast is like similar to this, right? Where like. It he you know like I say he doesn't prove he doesn't prove that that the CIA wrote wind of change and I, I think like if anything he proves that probably they didn't right like the the end that's basically like every single CIA person he talks to are like I don't know it seems like super complicated I can't but, but, I can't but, imagine that happening and then they're like then he'll be like but wouldn't the CIA say that but here's <laughs> it's the like thing. Here's the I thing guess is, here's the thing about the CIA the CIA doesn't necessarily make art and they never would have to. What they care Correct. about it with like hegemony doesn't actually – they don't have any aesthetic belief in anything. The only well, and that's what – The only yeah. reason they chose Pollock and them to say that this is the new American art form and to actually promote it across Europe and Eastern Europe into the Soviet Union as something that stood 
in contrast to the history of art and also Soviet realism as it was happening, was just because it was there. They didn't get inside Jackson Pollock's studio and say, you there, splash paint, and we'll give you fucking $20. Like, so right. I, the CIA uses everything. Like, they well, were yeah, dropping, they're, they were dropping they're extraordinary. They were dropping condoms on the North Vietnamese. It doesn't mean they invented condoms. <laughs> you know, I, what they didn't. <laughs> well, you know about that. They were dropping big condoms as like psychological terror, thinking it would scare the Vietnamese because they were white racists who believed that Vietnamese people had small penises. So they believed their God. own racism and then thought they could use it as psyops because they're fucking insane. I didn't know that. That that's a like the funny thing is that's a much more CIA story, yes. right? Like in, in in so many ways, that's the CIA that I know. Where it's like this is like the idiots who are like, oh, let's test C, let's test uh, LSD on uh, on a urban population. They just hook the yeah hooks hook LSD up to a like a um a really bad like car uh, like exhaust system, and it's like Drive that around. didn't work. <laughs> well, so so there are all these people who want to then find within art the aesthetic value that right that either is the CIA or is capitalism or the hierarchy being replicated. Right, right, Thinking right. Thinking right. that that would be something that you can divide, and if it's in art, that means that that art is bad. Or if that can be divided from good art, that that will make the art good. Mm-hmm. Which runs into a million different problems of like, this is not even my problem, but they harass my friends. That there are people who think that if, I don't know, trauma or abuse or anything is shown in art, that it's actually replicating and making the abuse real. Which, right. I mean, I believe in content warnings. If somebody really doesn't want to see a thing, they shouldn't have it sprung on them. But if there's a thing that's for adults and you know what's in it, finding it in an aesthetic mode and attacking it and attacking the person who did it, and usually it's a woman, surprise, surprise, usually a trans woman, they are actually acting out a sort of like weird article of faith on some symbolic level that they're like destroying the source of of a sin or pain or whatever. And I see people do that all the time where they're saying like, I don't know, that they want art that doesn't replicate the problems of capitalism in it but if the art is made under good capitalism, luck. it will have to <laughs> respond to the art and like you know what i mean like well yeah and that's i mean that's like ultimately you get to like a weird adornian mode and, and it's, yeah. it's it's the adornian mode that i agree with like honestly it's like where he says you know like in his aesthetics he has this wonderful passage where he's like and, and no one reads his aesthetics because they're, they're like they're extraordinarily difficult like they like absolutely like a monster text just like the, the the worst if you want to actually have something legible but um they do the same they 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 kind of like build off hegel's aesthetics um which i no one's gonna believe me when i say this and i realize i've 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 made my own bed uh by by indi- by like being this right like th- this is my fault uh, that people wouldn't believe me when i say this uh his version is like uh much harder than hegel's actually like not <laughs> Uh, Hegel's is much easier. Like it actually just like makes total sense. Whereas Adorno's is weird, but they're both just this talos of, of aesthetics. And, and Adorno's version is basically him saying, yeah, like, you know, uh, to me, you know, I, I'm, I'm art is kind of messed up now because people are like, people are so, uh, immiserated and subsumed by capitalism, um, that it's, it's very difficult to make something in an aesthetic mode. And he says, you know, I, I, I can, 
you know, I can be in a in a uh, an orchestra, like I can be listening to an orchestra, and then all of a sudden, I'll be thinking about like what I need to buy for dinner, and then instantly, like that is that is the that is the moment where capitalism rears its ugly head, and it's an interesting way to think about the idea of art, totally like distinct from capitalism, because it's it's a completely it's a completely goofy thing to say. Like, oh, oh here the, I thought you were going to talk about a different thing Adorno said. Oh, with the jazz thing? No, the, the the fact that like the culture industry of itself, oh, yeah. is like it it projects onto the consumer the will of the status quo until they internalize it. Right. No. No. And and in fact, he thinks most art does that. Right. Like and like he's, I, he's I, very I, very I, pessimistic. I get I get that, and I understand that, and I feel like I can see that happening in certain ways, but I also don't agree. It's as simple as that. No, and I, I mean, mean the fun. So the funny thing about Adorno is, like, ultimately, people who the people who read Adorno typically want to make him out to be like, you know, Grandpa Adorno who hates jazz, yeah, and it, well. it doesn't. It, but it's not quite that. Like when he says jazz, he's basically he's basically upset because he loves classical music so much, and it was and he loves popular. the symphony yeah, so yeah. much, yeah. yeah. But like his whole point about the symphony is like, yeah, maybe this could be like maybe maybe in a certain world this could be art that was autonomous, like it, autonomous from the world, right? The, the autonomous nature of art is something the modernists really, really want. I mean, that's kind of the dream, but yeah. that autonomy, that autonomy is almost impossible to define because if it's going to be autonomous from, it can't be autonomous from actual power relations until those power relations are gone to begin with. That's completely and, correct. And if, if that's going to happen, what we will see as art will probably be wildly different than our conception of it now in which like the selling of it is an, an inherent part of it. Well, this even, is, I mean, this is ultimately medium, like, like the medium of how art works is based on partially the selling of it, which, you know, Oh, 100%. So, and like, I think like there's, there's something in Hegel, like this is the thing that Adorno takes from Hegel, which is that Hegel basically says like, yeah, like ultimately once we sort of work through all of art and like we get to the tailors of art, 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 art's over. Then it's just philosophy, baby. Sure, we're just going to, we're just going to, but like yeah. what he means, but what he means is, and like, of course what he means is also, he doesn't really care for art as much as he does philosophy. And that's like, his I dream. know that's what I was going to say, but then you have other people like Alexandre Kozhev, who much later says like, Oh yeah. After all of that, men will actually, without actually having to be at war with history or whatever you'd call that, will just basically be like frogs and birds singing in the swamp and they won't wear clothes and they'll just fucking be naked. And actually this is bad. <laughs> you know, and like the first time I read that, I was like, sounds good, but okay. I like, I like, give me the frog thing. <laughs> yeah. But like, like what's funny about Koyeve there is he's, he's totally right. Like that's what, that's kind of what Hegel is, is saying. Like, is that how you pronounce, of, you pronounce it Koyeve? I've never I always heard, thought it was Koyeve. I've never I've, heard, I've never heard it out loud. That's how always how I've heard it, but like understand, like yeah. I certainly, certainly the people who have told me how to pronounce Koyeve's name are, are not, are not without their own. Okay, sure, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, um, yeah, like his his point about that isn't wrong. Like, like there's there's a there's a very true element to it where you say, yeah, okay, at the end of art, like if you, it, I had a I had a professor who told me this, and and he's totally right. Like, if you if you get to the end of of history in in the way Hegel thinks about it, right, like where where history sort of ends and you have the church without Christ and all, all the stuff he loves, um, if you get to that you also get to this place where like none of the stuff that you've been invested in like means the same thing anymore. So like art after 
art art once it's autonomous like art after capitalism probably doesn't look like art it's probably something wildly different like something uh, yeah, we haven't I, mapped yet i would imagine it's better <laughs> i mean like, yeah, no for sure and that and that's the dream it's, it's right it's it's also funny though that like when i was when i was saying like you if you argue about novelty in in academia you're kind of like a naive person blah 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 i said that earlier and I, you you were saying that you agree with that and uh... <laughs> no what i was saying is like when i was thinking about like why games i I have always seen in games a potentiality for things that mm. you get you get moments of, and I feel that with with all things like, but mostly games because it's a new medium. You see things for a moment and you go like, "Oh shit!" Imagine if it was all like this. And then if you try to think about like, "Well, what would all like this mean?" It's I can point out what it doesn't mean in the fact yeah. of like games patterning themselves against movies or literally patterning themselves against dice and cards is weird because that's a symbolic thing. And I, I love video games that use dice and cards as like a sort of idiom. Right. But, Oh yeah. It's, it's great. It, it's strange when it's basing itself. It's a medium is basing itself on other mediums, usually for legitimacy. And that, that, that has a huge overlap with comics because like, I'm constantly in the position of like, I don't know. I feel like I've talked to you about this a million times, but the fact that every like 10 years for my whole life, there's a cover story on a magazine in the New York times. It's like comics ain't for kids anymore. Biff, bam, pow. It's not Batman swinging anymore. And then you're like, okay, what is it? And it's usually like, Oh, this guy wrote a thing about the Holocaust or here's the thing where it's just like a man and a woman sitting in a room making small talk or like, and you're like, okay, yeah, but that, seems like it's kind of trying to be film or a conception of like the mid-century novel and being like the potential for comics to be things that are necessarily comics and not a painting and not a novel. I see it all the time, but it's almost impossible to convey. Like, yeah. Yeah. And And I feel that way with games all the time that there are moments of like, the the reality of games becoming like regimented into like genre and then the genre trappings and then if a game is revolutionary it's just because it subverts those trappings seems like a, a dead end. And oh, for sure. The moments that like feel transcendent as something else that can only be a game. Like this is a weird example because it's a huge throwback, but Disco Elysium is not a novel because it has systems in which they're interacting parts based on chance and based on you making decisions that flow directly into conversation and plot moving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Disco Elysium, you could tell that story, but it would be fixed. And one of the interesting things about Disco Elysium is based on different playthroughs, the reality of the world isn't fixed. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. If there was a novel, the everything that happens happens in it. There are things that you can like, you can read endless things about people saying like, Oh, I read pale fire. Is this person crazy? Is this true? Did this really happen? You know what I mean? And, but the actual parts of it are every word sentence and paragraph that are limited. And that's all it will ever be. 
the the parts of Disco Elysium are also limited, but depending on how you play it, wildly different things happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a game I've been playing called um, it's pretty. It's also old, uh, but it's called La Mulana. Oh God, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever, yeah, so it's funny. I, wait, hold on, I just want to say the one thing that's funny about La Mulana is it's obviously referencing a throwback to a whole world of video games I never played. So it's like, remember oh, yeah. what this used to be like? You're like, no, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I, but like it's a it's a throwback, and like you would have to debate as to whether or not like which throwback you were doing. Like, are you throwing back Colossal Cave Adventure? Like, are yeah. you going that far back, or are you doing like, is this Metroid, or is this? And like, but what's cool about La Mulana is as like a quote unquote metroidvania or whatever is that it it understands its world in like a very much more um i'll say suggestive way like there's there's not a lot there's not a lot of like information as to like okay go do this um and, and like not even in like a dark souls way but in a you know we're not actually going to explain these mechanics to you entirely like you're going to have to like figure out the value of there being like words written down here or the value of like why, you know, why is this stone here? Like, we're not even going to tell you what the stone is. Like, you're going to have to figure that out. And like, you're going to die a lot. You're going to keep trying. And like, <laughs> it's what's interesting about that. It's it's hard to convey why that's interesting when like, you know, games do this all the time. And they're just like, yeah, this is a hard game for hard. Oh, but, guys. but the like, thing, the but thing, it's not really that. The thing is, I don't think games do that at all all the time. I think games mm. started doing that, started at the very beginning doing that because of limited What made me fall in love with video games, I think starts at like the Nintendo era where because of like space and bad translation and limited space and whatever, starting a game, especially a game that had like, you know, like made like a Metroidvania or something that had a polycorsal path through it. It wasn't just a straight action game you would have to figure out everything yourself. And if there was plot, the plot was so weirdly poorly translated and in such broken little pieces that the majority of it happened in your imagination. So it felt... And that's going back to the Miyazaki thing, right? Yeah. Where where essentially you're getting like a version of the story that was never quite meant for... And also, I don't think I... I barely ever beat any video games when me and my brother were playing them. Oh, God, no. So so I I, I played these games that, like, occasionally, like, there'd be a video game, like, a Nintendo Power would have a map, and you'd be like, this game is effectively infinite, and I've never seen it, you know, like, it would just be mind-blowing. So I think probably having started in that generation and also having played, like, computer games from that era, which were also fairly Oh, my God, so hard. Like, I... I think my conception of what a video game is, is is a thing for pure potential in any direction. And as far as narrative, it's always broad strokes that you have to fill in to make it work yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think, I think the, you know, the, that sense of potentiality instead of like, as like, as like a, a genre claim, as opposed to a, a claim where you're just like, yeah, you know, it's like potential because it's hard or it's potential because like it makes me think this. Um, but more so it's like, that's what is video gamey about it is that like it, it is hard to describe what it is doing in a certain way. And that like is generically compelling. Um, like that's kind of what uh, La Mulana makes me feel where it's like, I don't quite know how to explain why this game feels more open than other games um, and trying to figure out, how to say that is it is in itself like a pretty interesting problem 
Yeah, because um, I mean, so much about Long Mulana is there are things you have to do that are set things. And mm-hmm. whether you'll figure it out or not, based on the clues they give you. I don't know what playing that game would be like in a time before the internet, to be honest. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I'm not smart in that riddle way. Like, so, yeah. I, you know, it's it's funny. I've always had, like, um, I've always had this inkling. And it, I've never been able to convince anyone, or I wasn't able to convince anyone when I was in academia, that it was a good idea. So I never actually, like, did anything with it because, you know. The, the the potential of like something you're just writing uh, <laughs> without anyone like being interested in publishing it is like oh I guess it's a term paper fine um, like why don't don't waste your time with that there's not there's like there's a million term papers out there but the um, you know like I was interested in this concept of thinking about uh, of thinking about um, uh, fragments and then thinking about like uh, the idea of not finishing something as its own sort of like epistemology yeah. where, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about like, okay, what does it mean not to, not to finish a book? Um, on one hand, it just means not finishing it. It's, it's as simple as that. But on the other hand, you could argue, and like, I would, I would probably argue that if you don't finish the book, you've essentially created a new way of understanding the story, which is like radically less, Right. And I think a lot of that comes from games where, like, if I don't finish, you know, Metroid, right? Like, I finished Metroid as an adult, but as a kid, I couldn't. Oh, finish I absolutely. I remember my friend's brother did and being like, how is that even possible? Oh, yeah. It's like a completely <laughs> insane idea as a kid. It's like, well, that's just like what you, you do. Oh, OK. Then did you like find and kill God? Like, yeah. OK, yeah, sure. Fine. Um, no, but, but like, I, I think you're onto something with the fragments, but I, I, I think that is how a lot of us even read or experience existing works that people might say is complete. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's funny ahead. because like in various fandoms and fan wikis, you can find that there are characters who are barely even talked about in a thing who are just the barest sketch who are like the fan favorites or whatnot. You right. know what I mean? And I think a lot of art works in that way. I, I try to make art myself and like comics have references to a lot of shit that is continuing on off the page or like refers to a much larger thing going on and whether that works or not, I mean, whatever. But like there, you know, I think even things that are considered complete have that fragmentary aspect as far as what people's interests in them are. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Like, yeah, but, no, but I also the, agree with you that also we have so many things that are fragmentary just by the nature of history that like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's where my, but like, I, I think you're, I think you are kind of like speaking to where I wanted to take that, which is like, that was initially what I was thinking was these, these fragments that are historical fragments. Like, oh, you know, we never, we never got the end of this one. Right. Well, I mean, but, if you think about the Epic of Gilgamesh is like the oldest story we have in all yeah. of the sculptures of Gilgamesh, he's fighting three lions. We don't have that chapter anymore. So, right. like, the basic, like, most important star part of this one epic story <laughs> is gone forever. But right. we have a bunch of statues about it. It's really funny when you think about it. It, would be it like, is. No, for sure. And, like, I think I think what's what's fascinating about, about thinking about that is then, like, looking at modern work and saying, like, okay, so, like, how is this any different? <laughs> and and ultimately saying like ultimately coming to the conclusion for for me anyway like it's not like it the the difference is like just in in a matter of like it's it's honestly in a matter of like extremity not even in a matter of type where like you can look at you can look at something that was a a fragment and say like yeah 
this like I, I feel like I can come up with stuff that this should have said. And then you could look at something that like you either didn't finish or you didn't like the end of or you, you, you focused on somewhat differently than the author did. And that is the exact same thing. Yeah, um, I mean, I think poetry works in that way, especially 100%. Yeah, because of its economy and its small things, it has to by its like setup basically articulate a, a whole gigantic thing of which it's a part, but it's only existing in a fragmentary part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I think like the other thing about, about poetry um, and thinking about that is like poetry is one of the places where fragments kind of live, right? Like you yeah. can, you, a fragmented poem is seen as like, Oh, that's just kind of normal. Um, <laughs> well, also songs work that the same way. It's very rare yeah. that like, that someone's like, here's the speaker. Here's, here's, what who the speaker is leading up to what they're saying now here's what happened to the speaker after the song ends like that's almost never happens well and i i was i was actually i had a i had a moment where i knew twitter would not be happy with me but fortunately it was i was in um i was in my real life uh my normal life so i didn't have to worry about that but uh i <laughs> this uh this olivia rodrigo song came came on when um it was just like came on Spotify and I was like, oh, this is good. And I was listening to it and um, they were, I was like, yeah, like um, I said to my wife, I was like, is, are, are all her songs like about breakups? And she's like, well, like they're angsty. Like she's a teen. So like they're angsty. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I completely forgot this had an author. Like I completely <laughs> forgot. Like there's like an embodiment of a person writing these. Like, yeah. But also, like, I mean, I don't know about her, but it might also be like two Norwegian guys or whatever. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, no, you're right. They <laughs> might be writing for it for the team. Yeah. Right, exactly. And there, yeah, there's a million levels of, of abstraction you can get to there. Um, well, yeah, the, and I think like – oh, But that's a thing that's ah, – Christ. I mean this is, this is a minefield and whole other thing. But like I also feel now that considering bad art is made or good art is made by bad people so much – talk now is about the identity or the presentational identity of the artist now. Sure. And like, that is such a weird, empty mind shaft for me that it's like, you know, who's good at selling you their whole identity at once? Like advertisers and sociopaths, <laughs> like the person well, who can sell you the identity in like the most snappy, like you get it. It's good. You get it. It's always, a sociopath or somebody who's trying to sell you something, which right. I mean, that's the that's it's the good part of um, and it's it's you know it's a it's a truly like not entirely good, not entirely bad book. Although actually, um, Ryan Brooks, uh, who I, I went to school with, just put out a book. If anyone's interested in this kind of lit crit on uh, on on the nineties and uh, and history and neoliberalism and literature and wait, but uh, what, what what book were you talking about? What's... Uh, American Psycho. Oh, American, American Psycho. Psycho does yeah, this. yeah, 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 yeah. Like a super interesting book, but people overrated as a result. But like, it does that where it's like the whole point about um, the 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 killer in that book, the the eponymous psycho, <laughs> um, is, is that he is like he's a really successful businessman, like he's an exec, like yeah. because he's able to just like dissociate and like not have to be a person anymore. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about what that reminds me of like another thing from live at the death factory, the, the, um, the, uh, the make it is missing episode where, where they were, they were saying, you know, like, I think, you know, this is, this is art made by like a bad person. Like, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think Michael Goy is a good person. They were saying it, but like, but the problem is it's like, 
you know, whatever. He's a bad person. I can, you know, we could say that or we can, you know, not say that. But like, it's also just not interesting art. Well, they were yeah. like, yeah, like, I like art by bad people. Like, there's plenty of bad people whose art I like, like really terrible people. But like, the art is interesting. Well, and, and that's like, it's just this interesting, like, kind of um, instinctual dissociation we have between the artist and the art, um, well, which well, I think that's also is productive. A, a thing that's gotten really incoherent and like, I mean, when, when consumption is something you do publicly, like not only is the art and the artist connected, but the consumer and the artist totally connected that like, sure. if you were consuming something bad publicly, then you're probably bad. And that conversation has gotten so incoherent that like, Last summer, I remember seeing a headline and like, I don't know, maybe it was the New York Review of Books that was like, why was Nabokov never canceled in the age of Weinstein? And I was like, God, because one person is a fucking living rapist who basically by being canceled has had barely any repercussions. And the other person wrote a book about a very bad person. I mean, who's yeah, not it, real. <laughs> like, like that, that's why, like, that's so weird. Like, but, what a, what a, but that mix keeps happening over and over again, and and I understand. Oh yeah, like the you know, ladies. What are what are your red flag books? Like, yeah, but I understand that because like odds are like if you there are things that like are obviously red flags and whatnot. But I think the idea that like the power a it presupposes that art works in a way that you consume it and you get good ideas or bad ideas. B, it, it presupposes that everybody has the same exact experience with every piece of art that's exactly the same. Right. C, it also presupposes that, like, there are... It's almost like you could... It's like 19th century race science, except it's like, the, these are the people of uh, infinite jest, and they have a sloping <laughs> brow. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, everything about that is so alienating and strange and i think in the moment of thinking that way it feels like it gives you power to understand the universe and power to understand who your friends and enemies are but it's so mm-hmm. fucking weird man yeah it is and i think like you know it it is i think like that prescriptive quality like and and that's that's even to say like you can you know i think the the tricky thing is it's also to say like you can absolutely 100% make judgment calls on artists and say like, yeah, you you can do the thing where you say like, I don't want to watch a Woody Allen movie again. And like, that's okay. But like to, to then to like make the argument that like to, to, to then send that out and say like, and because I don't want to watch a Woody Allen movie ever again. And because I feel like a moral uh, call not to do that. I also feel a moral call to find everyone who has ever sinned in art. And, and like at that point, it's like, you've taken like a very specific example and generalized it to a point that it can't possibly can't possibly do anything except like, you know, simplify the art itself. And it also has the weird thing that if, 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 if making art that mentions a thing that's bad is actually reproducing all of the negatives of it in the real world, that makes it so you can't actually talk about things. Right. Exactly. You know, like, (laughs) you know, good, good luck at that point. Right. I mean, like, I, if if people are like, oh, Lolita is a book about a pederast who's the main character. Why would I want to read about this horrible person doing horrible shit? Like, yeah, I fully understand not wanting to. But to believe, you know, to believe that that 
it belongs to a fandom of people who commit those crimes. <laughs> right. Also, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Like the, the idea that it is somehow a, um, a red, like a red, not just a red flag, but a, like a black mark where it's like, yeah, okay. The way you, when, when you said that you liked this one thing, you revealed yourself. Like that's, that's I feel a, like that's super strange. I feel like me and you already talked about this. I don't even know if on a podcast, but my favorite red flag thing was like just the normal ones. It was like infinite jest. And then what, person was like yeah and if he has any books by goethe (laughs) that's got to be one specific guy i don't think like the fuck boys of america are reading goethe stuff but that's it it sucks it sucks when it sucks when you are loved and left by uh by friedrich schiller i know it's Um, so fucking weird it's it's a real shame when that happens and like my 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 heart is with is with that poor woman who's just like (laughs) Had to read a bunch of optics. Had to like pretend. I mean, like, if you were like and... hanging out with a guy who that's all he was into in 2021, sounds like a really annoying guy. Might be a really <laughs> fucking annoying guy. But the idea that like <laughs> if that's on the bookshelf, run is pretty hilarious. It's very funny. Like it, you'd be running from like one specific guy and no one else. Like yeah, there's so, not a lot of Goethe out there. Like one, at this point. one classics major. I don't even know who the fuck. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like every German philosopher talks about Goethe. Like he's like the most important writer and like, everyone's like, Oh, of course you've read all of Goethe. <laughs> like, it's like the only place you ever hear people talk about him like that. I mean, the first time I ever really heard about him like that is like, I was probably like 17 or 18 and I was reading uh, that Milan Kundera book, Immortality. Oh, yeah. Well, Kundera would do it. Yeah. Some of the main characters are like Goethe and Rimbaud. And I was just like, it was like, you have to understand the myths of these men. And I was like, shit, I don't know anything about it. (laughs) I don't know the myths of these men. What am I going to do? It was later. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. What am I going to say? How am I going to talk to Milan Kundera? I. who knows? I read through it. I probably, I had to reread it later to just be like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know anything. I like I like books like that. Like when you accidentally read like a uh, like I I read a, I read Hesse a little too early and like I was talking to a buddy about it and he was like he was like yeah he's like Hesse's not all that like not super super interesting and I was like yeah you know you're kind of right he's not super super interesting but also like when you're like 18 he's maybe too interesting for you. I was about to say <laughs> but when you're 18 and you're like or even younger like maybe 16 you're like I'm a I'm misunderstood and romantic and you read like Steppenwolf or something. You're like, yeah. And then maybe if you read it like 10 years later, you'll be like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I I, like, I remember, I remember thinking about Demi and being like, this is so cool. And it's like, well, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, I think like one of the things that I wanted to, I want to kind of like tease out a little bit from the conversation is like, this question of um, like this question of um, not again, like not necessarily why, but like what we get out of like these aesthetic pursuits. Cause like we, we've definitely like pinned down, like, I mean, we've pinned down the one thing of like potentiality, which I think is like super useful, but then there's also this question of like, okay, what won't you get? And like, it's like, well, certainty, like we've sort of, we've made it clear that you're not going to get certainty out of this stuff. <laughs> like it's, I think it's pretty clear that our position is, don't don't like hope for any sort of like political guidance. Like it's a uh... no. But here's the thing: I, I think you can very much mm-hmm. get political guidance both by understanding complex and different situations other than your own, and 
points of view and histories and places of things totally other than your own. I'm not, I'm not making the argument that like, if you read a lot of books, you will become empathetic because I don't think there's any specific one-to-one on that. But like, I think you will get political guidance. It just won't be simple, nor, nor mm-hmm. will it be a thing that you'll <clears throat> like consume passively. There's a, there's a, um, this is the, the most embarrassing reference I've ever made. I'm going to like ruin all my cred by doing this, but, um, there's a, uh, there's a, um, bad religion song called the answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it has, it has, I, I, I am, I am, yeah, which album is it on? Cause I, it's on, uh, I think the answer's on the gray race, I think, or strange. It's either on the gray race or stranger than fiction, but, um, I've, I'm what you might call a bad religion super fan or was in the past. I, I, I can't bring myself to listen to the new album. I know it's going to be just miserable. So I, I just can't do it. I, I want to remember them as, as they were. Um, but okay. But what's like, the, what's the, uh, what's so, the so the line in the song is, uh, I mean, most of their lyrics are not like specifically like ultra worth worthwhile or whatever, but like, there's a line in, in the one song that is uh, a righteous student came and asked me to reflect. She judged my lifestyle was politically incorrect. I don't believe in self-important folks who preach. That all's just stupid. Yeah. But then, like the the line that I always remember and I really like is uh, "No bad religion song can make your life complete." Oh, okay, which is like yeah. not untrue. Like it's a pretty it's a pretty canny observation. Which is like, look, like this is just like this is just art that exists in the world. Like if you're looking for it to actually complete your perception of the world on some level, it is just it's not going to do it. Like See, it's 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 going to be a problem. There's this there's this old fucking well first i'm just gonna say the only bad religion album i know is the one with 21st century digital boy oh well wait there there are two with 21st century digital boy on them okay Uh, well um i can't remember any others extremely messed up that you you've given me the one song that i can't pin this down i worked in a kitchen and sundays were our craziest day because we went directly from brunch into dinner so i'd always be working doubles and the head chef to show that he was not into Sundays as a Christian idea would listen to that album on repeat if he was head chef that day. (laughs) And so I just got used to that except one day I talked to him and he liked Queens of the Stone Age. So occasionally I could get him to put on his other Queens of the Stone Age. That's such a, they're, they're such a doofy, like anti-religion band. They, I know, which is funny. And this, I, it I, doesn't I, even work as like, they're like, they, yeah. they, they definitely like, they, they do that. Um, they, they do that as like a real posing thing. And I know. Like, it was it, just funny. It that never comes up. It's very funny. I, I like this. I like this chef, but it was like, that was one of those bizarre idiosyncrasies that you'd be like on like hour eight of like prepping sauces and just like the same. I can't remember any of them, but if I heard any of those songs, I would know every lyric just because 21st like, century schizoid boy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, what, no, it, what I was going to say was like, yeah, there's this old shitty like vaudeville joke. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's probably Yiddish guy. It probably comes out of that, that like, you know, like a guy goes to a doctor and he has like a hangnail or something. And he says to the doctor, like he's going in for surgery and he says to the doctor, like, will I be able to play piano after this surgery? And the doctor says, I see why I see no reason why not. He said, funny, I couldn't before. Like, I feel like we're in the position where like, there's a lot of art and stuff and things and lifestyle choices that they tell you, you will be able to play piano after you like consume or do whatever, wear the right shirt. And then the weirdest thing is like, when you can't play piano, you move the goalposts to argue about what piano is. 
So right, like, right, so yeah. Like, the politics of like getting good art and only consuming good art will make you a better person and make the world better. When it isn't, you can become like, start doing crazy auto critique or start fighting your friends or make up a, make up a, a fantasy enemy. And I'm, I'm saying this not about the left. I'm saying this about the right. Like, I think one of the weirdest things about like QAnon and whatnot is it's, they, people don't talk about this, but it's an obvious offshoot of evangelical Christianity. Except, oh, yeah, 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 except yeah. Like absolutely. None of the peace and everything was ever delivered, so it just became vindictive and crazy and even bloodier than it was before. And mm-hmm. and I think you also find that, like, a lot of people I know who are very energized about the Sanders campaign were very hurt by how it ended, and so am I. So was I. Sure, yeah. And still am. Oh, you're not hurt anymore. Yeah, huh? no, but I'm just well, saying, Look at like, this guy getting emotional clarity. Yo, Bernie was actually always the 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 leftist part of the right wing for me. I don't believe in shit, you know, like, and everyone starts, like, going, like, like catch me, catch me believing in anything, like, and I, I get it. Like, it's, it's a rough world, and we got to kind of protect our fucking hearts and souls, but, like, the idea that the idea that art itself would be a thing that would either be an immediate thing that would do your emotions for you or do your politics for you <clears throat> is is sad because like do you know that uh the fuck's his name you know Julio Cortazar uh, yeah he wrote that book called Hopscotch that you can read e- either skipping every chapter or read straight through he, he's yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, is pretty interesting. He wrote this thing that has stuck with me forever. I might have even said this to you before. It's called A Short Fable. And this, I feel like I've told you this, or maybe I'm just having deja vu. But uh, he wrote this. You know me, I love stories. <laughs> he wrote this thing about it. It's, it's literally a two-paragraph story in Cronopios y Famos. And it's like, he he tells a story of a guy who <clears throat> got a glasses case. He got his new glasses, and he dropped his case and he heard the glasses bounce and he was like, they have shattered and everything has been destroyed. And like, before he even (laughs) picks them up, he's like, my glasses are fucking blown to smithereens. Fuck. And he opens up the case and the glasses are fine. And it's like a total Hmm. miracle. And he was like, Oh, that's a miracle. There's no way this could have happened. So he goes and he gets a really crazy metal case that's padded inside and he's carrying his glasses and he drops them again. And he hears the case bounce, and he goes like, "Well, I got the good case, so you know everything's fine." And he opens up the case, and his glasses are like in a million pieces. And then the last line is like, "He understood at that moment that the true miracle had occurred." You know, mm. I feel mm. like that is kind of the actual—that's the actual mechanism of art. The fact that when I was arguing novelty before is there are potentialities not just of like what of ideas, but also emotions that you find in art that are similar to having the case that you've built around yourself and something inside of you blown to smithereens in a good way, just because it shows you that the nature of all things is changeable and miracles do exist and no, and never in the terms you think they do. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something like, you know, for all the, all the vocabulary we have for, for talking about, you know, the way we think about ourselves now that we, you know, know the way we are doomed or, or presume to know the way we are doomed 
like you know like the 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 idea of like you know uh being blackpilled or or you know whatever <laughs> like it is it is the sense of like okay like this is this is still just a story you're telling yourself, right? Well, like it was it, funny because I remember like ten years ago, all of the more sort of nerdy friends of mine who were more tech leaning were just like, "Oh, I'm so worried we're going to invent machines that are going to kill all of us. We're going to invent <laughs> machines that are so smart they're going to kill all of us." And I was, I had a buddy at, who was like one of the smartest, like canniest, like uh, political people. Um, this is my buddy. Uh, it was uh, he was uh, he was sort of a joke account uh, for a while. Like he did. Um, he was uh, pal sucks. He had he had some good. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Great, great, great poster. Not not online anymore because he's smarter than me. Um, but uh, but he um, he he was like a smart smart guy, and he would always um, he would always tell me he was like I'm pretty sure we're gonna get like AI that's gonna kill us, and I was like I don't think so, man. Like I that doesn't seem like something that's gonna happen. I mean I'm, like, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen, but I'm fairly sure that my friends who are interested in AI were telling themselves that AI was gonna kill us before like. Climate, climate change, change does or or mismanaging a plague would because, right, yeah, because no, of they course. were interested in AI. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a story you're telling yourself about the end of the world that you want to see, which is a, a good version of that where it's like – Or even you know, if like, it's not what you want to see, it's actually – it's just within parameters and terms that you think about That you the can world. accept. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. And that that's a that's – a, like – that that story, the Cortisar story, is like very good for that because like the you know the idea of like the miracle happening being the the not just the the thing that was saved, but in fact like the the shifting of expectation, right? Like it, in fact, like what has to happen is that you you know what has to happen is that you you have to not only have something good happen, but then you have to know that. Um, the unexpected happens as well. Like it, it can't just be because, yeah. like the Christian, like a, a sort a certain kind of Christian, um, you know, I, I would say like a lack of like a, an over literalization of Christian theology would be something like, yeah, like um, when you uh, when you believe in God, everything works out for you. Or, but also then similar to moving the goalposts, whatever you get deeper into that world, and you go like, okay, but. Why do all these bad things happen? It's like, well, you can't know the, you can't know the mind <laughs> right. of God, and also, maybe it's hubris on your part because you know, like, once man makes a plan, God's laughing about it because he's God, and you're just like, okay, what the fuck, <laughs> guys, guys, crack it up at me. What's going on? But yeah, and like, it, it is, it is one of those things where, like, I think it's the, it's the easy solution of. It's again like the 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 concept of of saying you don't know something or saying that you're willing to to put yourself out there as like not un well even it even unknowledgeable like you know the 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 sort of uh Socratic concept of intelligence where you're constantly questioning which I mean is in and of itself like sort of a con but whatever <laughs> we don't have to go there but I like, mean that's one of those things you hear about and you're like that makes sense and then you're like oh god if I hung out with that guy imagine what he'd be oh, like oh it would suck so imagine much imagine being in one of those fucking dialogues you'd be like okay yes I guess oh. a chicken does have two feet okay asshole <laughs> Socrates is just like huh huh did I convince you it's like <laughs> shut up god <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah, like I think, I think, like you know, there's there's a concept there of of where where you where you could say like, yeah, look, I I'm willing to acknowledge that there are things that I don't understand about the way the divine works, and then you can say like, but then you can't say 
you can't like add an, uh, a thing with saying like, but I totally understand why good things happen to me. Well, you either have to say like I don't know or I do know. But the, and the, also, the don't know is almost braver to to say. Well, I I just think that so. Why? I'm not. I'm not trying to defend. No, no, no. Theology I'm, I'm, necessarily. I'm, I'm, it's more I'm, more so thinking about like uh, uh, more like an ontological question. For I, me. I'm just saying. I think in theology, in ideas of like ideas of something being bigger than you and unknown and unknowing of you is interesting and is mm-hmm. is a thing that we can actually find in art in ways that can scare the hell out of us and in ways that can actually make us feel comfortable in infinity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so like the, the why art of it, I mean, it's, it's weird because it feels like a fucking crazy person now being like, well, a good thing about art is mystery and maybe it'll be good and maybe it will be bad. And who knows how you'll feel about it? Like <laughs> that, that doesn't like sell anybody on anything. But like no, but maybe that's the point. Yeah. I mean, like we, we just talked about how, like you know, if you want to be sold on something, it's actually not all that hard to be sold on something. People, people are good at selling stuff. I know, but I've constantly seen people reacting to artwork and being mad that they didn't get what they thought they were being sold when it's stuff oh, yeah. that I like and it's in terms that have nothing to do with what I like about it. Well, yeah, and like I, I was, uh, you know, like people were talking about that with to, to bring it into games. People were talking about that with uh, No More Heroes Three just came out, and people and it got like terrible reviews. Oh, but I've, I've got such a complicated bad feeling about that guy, and I and I Suda, yeah, I I did too. But oh wait, then I actually, played... other than uh, Killer Seven and the Silver Case, like. Oh yeah, no, I I played the silver case, so I'm I, very I, I happy. I played the about it. I, I played the silver case because you told me to. I actually, oh my god, how'd I, you like it? That's fucking great. And one yeah, of the things so I love about it is it is willing to have there. There is a story that isn't quote unquote meeting you halfway. Not in the aesthetics, <laughs> not in what it's about, not in the presentation. Not a little bit, yeah. Everything about it feels like you're having an. I, I think I, I DM'd you and said, oh, this this feels like something that was made when people thought we had a future. And I meant that <laughs> aesthetically. Like the fact that like it is it is busy and stupid with how like computerific the future is actually is interesting as much as it's a throwback. But like Yeah, because it, it, it is it is sort of like it's it's doing that and then it's also positing like this is like this is emblematic of something, as opposed to something like in I mean, I, I won't even I won't even throw like popular culture to them. I won't even say hackers. Like even in something like Neuromancer, yeah. Like it's it's just like yeah, that's uh that's the future for you folks. Like, but so pretty what, wacky, isn't it? What I find really annoying about No More Heroes is is it's about fan identity, which which I have probably a strong allergy to that makes people uncomfortable. That like it it right being like, hey, I love Japanese anime. Being a person who loves anime and having a cartoon character say that back to me, I don't go like, yeah, I go like, <laughs> uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, and, I actually, and, I'll, and I'll admit it, I that, find... might, that might have levels of winking after a while. And the new one has art by uh, Ishibu, who's animators who I love. And what's his name? Motohiro something, something whose art I also love, who's got art that... So he's well, got- so that, but like, that's the thing. That's the thing that people were getting upset about was the art, where it was like, oh, like, 
all of a sudden it's this it's this kind of weirdo art like oh this is like oh so seriously like, that was all that looked interesting about that yeah people game. well people didn't like that it wasn't a typical game they were like this oh doesn't feel like a real game god that's funny i i looked up gameplay and i scrubbed through it and i was like oh this is oh this looks cool it's got art by people i like but then it has that thing where it's like english written kind of by Japanese people in a sort of weirdo stereotype of American movie shit sold back to American people who love it and call it punk rock is super weird. I mean, I, yeah. I, I no, like, no, no, you're, you're totally right. I like yeah. that kind of cross-cultural meltdown shit a lot, but this one seems so naughty and winky in a way that's so annoying. And yeah. I have a hard time. Like with Suda, like I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like one of the things that was like problematic about me playing the silver case recently is like, I liked it so much that I'm willing to be like, well, it's Suda. Maybe he has something we don't know. <laughs> like, well, I think at some point he just misses the mark. So I, I played that. I played that game with all of the tours of the recent years, like Kojima or uh, Yokotaro. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, Kojima has made some of my favorite games, but he he was okay. So like if we want to talk about why games and sort of potentiality of form, if death stranding, if the story of death stranding was the delivery of these boxes in this fucked up terrain and the, and the actual story as it was acted out was done in the most broadest, lightest of touches that left a whole lot of questions and wasn't people being like, I'm the president. Who's your mom? Who's dying? Your sister, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Sucks. Like, sucks so bad. This guy's <laughs> name is, is Death Skullman. And, like, all of that being there actually stopped the experience of playing it from feeling like it was about anything. It was just triggering cutscenes. And then maybe there are people who can, can, are fine with, like, sort of compartmentalizing that in their mind as they play it. But I sure. kind of couldn't myself. And I, while I would be playing the game and you'd be, like, climbing a mountain and it would be, like, crazy and you'd, fuck up and be falling and stuff be like this is what the game should be about these like long conversations full of jargon written by someone who doesn't really speak the language but they have such a high profile nobody can say no to them anymore it's like just a mess and you know it's funny i like my um my review of the uh of the game was like i I wrote a review for egm like it was like the i think it was the last thing that i wrote for egm before they were just like yeah we're not doing reviews anymore (laughs) we're kind of we're closing up shop yeah right (laughs) but um it was one of the weirdest experiences of of writing that i had because the the guy who uh, the the main editor who i was writing it for was fine but there was this sort of like sub editor on there as well to look at it and I think we had exactly the same reading, which I was like, the gameplay in this is really cool. And I think like on some level, you know, it might not be for you, but like, that's why it's good. Like, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. Like it is just making a statement and and that's neat. The story is a mess and ultimately just kind of posits that we should all be a lot more optimistic about like human nature or something. Like I was like, this is like, it's, it's nonsense. And um, the the one I'm sure I've told the story on the on the show before, but the one the one editor was like, "You haven't uh, you've you don't have the right. I don't think you've earned the right as a as an author to say that about Kojima." <laughs> yeah, I was like, a, but it's like I'm pretty sure I have, but like, cause well, I, that, anyone can. That's like, a that's, funny thing that I also like with the auteur people. Like, I like Yoko, but he does such annoying shit sometimes that like mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I, a friend of mine, we were talking about Nier, which I had never played the first Nier, or I bounced off of playing it. And we were talking about like the, uh, you know, all of the side quests that end basically poorly, just as they do in Automata, right? Like, yeah. And I watched him play through a lot of Nier, and I was thinking after a while, like, yeah, a lot of people give this guy a pass because he does such good things, but so much of this game is so fucking annoying. Like, <laughs> the idea that you would play the same thing through multiple times to get slightly different endings just feels like a time sink. I, it is like it, it's funny. Like I was, I was thinking about that. There was a oh, what was it? Like I, I'll have to find it because it was, it was, it was funny to me at the time. But like I was, I was thinking about that in the Gotcha game where like there was a, uh, there was like a, a screen where I mean basically it was just like, and then all of a sudden something bad was happening. But that was like off screen where the character couldn't see it, but would affect her soon. And it was like. Yeah, okay, like, it's a Yoko Taro game, I get it. Like, the happy ending is actually a sad ending, right? Like, we've, we've done this, like... But it's... it's and, like, I love it, and I'll, I'll I, keep yeah, playing I was gonna, it. I was gonna say... I'm, I'll still eat that garbage. As far, <laughs> as far as the auteur guys, he's the one I trust the most because I think he's brave even when he's annoying. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, think, I agree. I think, mostly with Kojima, the fact that he's literally like, I've got celeb friends, and people celebrate that. It's so sad and weird to me. It's like, who gives yeah, a- like <laughs> Nicholas Winding Refn and like Norman Reedus don't I, like. I, I don't understand. I'm why, just saying, why I'm just saying the interested. fact yeah. that that being a motion captured thing in a video game, why that should be interesting to you at all, I don't understand. But no, I, know, I, I like, agree. I, I agree. if you play fucking what is it, Dragon Dragoon Three, it's an ugly, fucking horrible, gross game that's just like starkly vile. Is that with the, the Dragon Guard three? You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I was just, I wasn't asking to make you say the right name. I, I just was like, is this a Kojima game? I don't know. What, what, what's it called in Japanese? Uh, Dragon Guard. I, I don't know. I think it's called Dragon Dragon Dragoon. <laughs> That's just what I said. What, <laughs> what, what, what a great name. Yeah, surprised <laughs> they changed that. But yeah, that one is a horrible game. The characters are horrible, and what happens in it is horrible. But you understand after a while having played video games that are just about killing over and over again, he made a game that was like, okay, who kills and why? And what would killing over and over again be like? And if you were a killer who just killed people over and over again and you put together a ragtag group of people, what would those ragtag group of people be like? And Mm. in the end, everything about it is pretty fucking vile. But there's a bravery to make a full fucking video game like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. And I think like, you know, ultimately, that's, that's the kind of interesting thing about, about the potentiality in video games, like you can get beyond like, uh, you know, thinking about the thinking about the, uh, the arrow grow stuff uh, we were talking about before with, uh, with the, the other podcast, like the, like the, the, the arrow grow stuff's tough, because like, it is like, one of the reasons I, I brought it up initially was because I was thinking about your point about translation and how Sean was like, yeah, I, I have a bunch of this stuff. It's like, I don't, I, I don't know what it says. Like, it's just, you know, to me, it's, it's just, it's just the, how it goes. Like that's, you know, I, I just look at the pictures. Um, and I completely understand that. Like, it's super interesting stuff regardless, but like on the other hand, at a certain point, you're just like, yeah, like it's, it's like hyper violent and like <laughs> really, really like extremely dark and like, 
typically like women and children are be and it's like well I how mean, do you it's funny, but like it's funny because like there's stuff i like that would fall into that rubric but if i feel after a while that it's not in the service of anything other than that in and of right. itself is always when i check out and i mean i've there's there's a guy called maduro suahiro maduro was a famous artist who i guess mm-hmm. is the only real one that is the famous like modern Edo Guro guy. And it just feels like everybody loves him. I think he's mm-hmm. a beautiful artist and real capable, amazing virtuoso of making stuff. But with him, especially, I felt like he's just been kind of hitting the same button over and over again. And just being like, uh, here's a beautiful woman with her guts out. And you're just like, all right, man, <laughs> you were doing that in 1988. It's, it's come on. Like that's my personal take on it. So it's like, but yeah, I mean, well, but like, but what I was going to say was like, there's, there's, a, there's a quality to having to explain that sameness to someone, and like the, the kind of like perpetual quality of like, yeah, like I, you know, I like this thing, and and it's just like so off putting, and then you think about something like like the the way that games can mess with people's sense of comfort as well, but in sort of like... Well, the funny thing about Guard 3 is you're implicated in it by doing it, but at no point right. does it do like the sort of like early aughts morality I thing know of what like, you're gonna say. press A to kill that guy. You killed that guy, you fucking monster. Like, right, no, yeah. the main character is a monster. And the fact of the matter is like, if you watch certain action movies, the main character would just be a fucking monster. Like, Oh, 100%. Like a hyper-competent killer just walking through scenes killing people. The fact that what I liked about, I mean, this will sound like fucking national cultural essentialism, but I don't think an American could make Drakengard 3, which talks about killing makes you a monster. If, right. if if we made a thing about killing makes you a monster would be that kind of sappy mode that that like that sort of like punisher thing of like they make me kill they don't even know how much that hurts me kind of like thin blue line shit right they could yeah, never yeah, yeah. talk about actually losing your humanity in fact it has the bully or the abusers thing of like they make me do this and it hurts me more you know what I mean yeah it's 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 a it's a, a sort of like um hyper humanity like like they they are more human than human yeah um like yeah the, but like i i think you're right like and i think you know the the clever thing about about drakengard 3 and like like thinking about that as like a a thing that makes you a monster like Im- implicating you like i think what's 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 cool about that is that like the oh this won't matter to anybody but i looked it up it is drag dragon dragoon is the name of it in japanese hey look i'm glad i'm glad we won't have any people getting upset i just wanted to make sure i didn't imagine such a bizarre name but okay i mean look it's it's a it's a perfect name for uh, a perfect game and i won't i won't hear anything different (laughs) yeah um but yeah I, i think like you know the um like you know ultimately the i don't know what i want to say here like it's there's a there's a certain shared yeah okay I know what I want to say there's a sh- certain shared um, it doesn't make it better than Aragoro like that's that's one thing I want to say like I'm not I'm not trying to say like and thank God we have video games the good version of this other de- uh, uh, degenerate art like I think there's <laughs> like I like I like you know some of that stuff it's 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 interesting and like I understand why I understand what it's doing with like the the you know trying to you know 
pair beauty with with like disgust. Like there's there's all sorts of interesting ways to do that. I, I like yeah. I 100 I 100% mean it when I say that. Like well, I'm not I, trying to be I, condescending. I, I think you know. I think on a basic level, I, if people were more honest, I think sort of like attraction and repulsion are probably deeply connected. Yes, obviously in, in all things and most of the time i think most of the time when we react to, well, this is, no, i was going to say something that was so general it doesn't even matter but i i, I think <laughs> i think sometimes when we're attracted to things even things that aren't necessarily scary or grotesque or something there's an aspect of it that probably scares us or or pushes us oh, away sure. at some point like if if you didn't have that, you wouldn't be interested in a thing at all. It would just go without notice, probably. And I think, like you know, it what is what is compelling about <laughs> about video games is also. I mean, there there is that there is that like sense of um, repulsion, but it's like it's almost a self repulsion, a fear of like, you know, oh God, does this make me like the kind of person that would like. Am I like am I like a loser or something like that for liking this? But it also gives like a shared sort oh, of well, I, I think that's shared a, sort of language that like you can then like speak to what the thing is making you feel, even if it's not precise. I know that's also a weird thing though about like about so much of fan culture, more so than probably the experience of playing a game. So much of fan culture seems like externalized self hatred over like I'm a loser yeah. for playing this, you know, like Absolutely. Which and is like, which is also weird considering that you know like video games are like bigger than movies now. It's still a weird thing for that to be an existing thing, right? But like I think I think like ultimately the the sense of like what the thing can be right is 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 paired to this like familiarity that is then undercut every time. Maybe that's the thing, right? Yeah. Where like if familiarity is undercut in like Aragoro. A See, lot of times I, I, I'm not even. I gotta be honest. I'm not interested in Eroguro because it's such a broad. I, it's such a broad okay. term well, that I, I can't nail it down to anything. I'm using. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing that thing I do where I come up with a with an example. So let me let me take away Eroguro. It's just on my mind because I just listened to that podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in their exact, precise like account of it, which <laughs> people should just people should listen to the podcast. It's good. It's like they're super smart. Yeah, listen to that. It's um, a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, they're super smart. But like, so like. Take it this way, right? Like, uh, 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 imagine like, um, okay, like poetry, right? Like, there's a there's a poetry is always concerned with excess, especially like the lyric poem. It's the 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 kind of like fear within the lyric poem is um, is you know the it's the fear of the person telling the poem, but certainly the fear of the person hearing it. You can see this in whatever, like uh, rhyme of the ancient mariner or, or whatever you want. Like it it it's there where the the concern is. You know, this is going to consume me. Like there, there's a there's a consumption that's going to happen. I am, be, I am, I am going to become lesser than, or in fact, gone entirely because um, the poem will 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 take over my my um, consciousness or whatever. Right? Um, wait, no, I'm not right. What, what, wait, who who is feeling that? Is the reader feeling that, or a character within that? What do you what do you mean? It was it's it's a fear of lyricism, right? Right? Like like um, sorry, maybe I'm maybe I'm assuming too much, but like. Not assuming too much that like you don't know, but assuming too much that I'm right on. on this. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but I'm saying who is feeling that fear? It's the, it's, uh, it's the both. I mean, it's it's. I think it's often the poet, but like certainly, if you think about like the 
you, you know the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is maybe the best version of this that I can think of where, like, you know, the poem starts with the Ancient Mariner pulling aside the wedding guest and saying, like, listen to my tale. And he's like, I'm very busy and can't listen to your tale. <laughs> And he's like, no, no, but the thing is, you have to. And yeah. then he's immediately taken in by his glistering eye and has to, like, listen to this long tale about, like, you know, the the ancient mariner's woes. Um, and I think that's, like, that's, like, the uncontrollable concern of poetry or the uncontrollable, like, potential of poetry that is both a concern for, like, its authors, sometimes from a, like, I mean, if you want to use the romantics, they're kind of a useful, useful group for this. But, like, okay, sometimes... Then- now I, now I get what the, you mean. Uh, not yeah. only the author, but also the reader as well is one of those concerns that it will. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so like sometimes like you get people like Wordsworth who are kind of doing it from a from like a, a more stodgy kind of like, well, what is the morality like to be yeah. of poetry? And then sometimes you get it from people like Keats who are just like, I am like, I'm going to be like the poetry is going to consume me in much the same way that my sickness will. Like, I feel like poetry takes this has this like um it's too big in a sense like it 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 escapes it escapes um containment and that is terrifying to both practitioner and reader but like within that understanding of the fear of poetry is also an understanding of like how it works right like there's like a set of rules we understand about how poetry works you can like learn how to write a sonnet you can learn how to do these things um and like what's fascinating about like that is it's like a contained chaos where like the fear doesn't go away even if you know how to do it if you can master the form you're still scared (laughs) and and i think like there's there's something to that in games where like you can you can identify the form and what's supposed to be there but when it's not there it can be so off-putting to be as to be like productive yeah yeah and and also in a weird way especially on social media, there's a whole lot of people who out of that fear, talk about the form in the abstract Mm. without ever talking about the specifics, which is just bizarre to have a conversation where people are just like, you know, like no book should have more than three sex scenes or whatever the fuck crazy (laughs) robot shit they're saying. That's a whole other story that that's, that's a CIA op. I have no idea. Disney is doing that. But that th- nothing should have sex scenes. But like, you know what I mean? Like, people are like, name one weird, yeah. Name one movie w- that has a pine tree in it that's good. And people are like, here are good pine tree movies. And you're like, do you think in this way, or is this just a <laughs> way to talk about art without ever having to put yourself out there to talk about any specifics or talk check about- out check out my uh, check out my um, my letterboxed uh, list pine movies that you <laughs> that you need but to see tonight. You know what I mean? You see those yeah. prompts no, that for people sure. are just like. Name a movie with with exactly two payphones in it. And you're like, oh, my favorite two payphone movie is. And you're just like, the fuck is going on here? But yeah, no, the payphone one was a real one. That I was know, recent yeah. where they were just like, can you name a movie with a payphone in it? And I was like, like what? Like, I'm sure I can if I think about it. Like, like everything for like 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 years before payphones stopped existing. Well, and then there, someone was like, someone was like, for me, it's got to be the Matrix. So, so like, that's, that's what I'm talking I about. Guess. And I was wondering if that fear of being consumed by thinking about things emotionally too much and not making them data points to put into a database as part of the oh, yeah. fear. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it, it is like, cause if you, if you're talking about film in that way, like you're just like, okay, yeah, I, 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 I recognize your data point here. And, and in fact, like I have seen this particular film that does X, Y, and Z that way. 
that's not that's not art that can affect you anymore. That's like a that's a that's a point in a database. Yeah, you're free. Whereas, you're like, free if you from act- its power. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Whereas, like, if you're actually taking on art in and of itself, like, I will say, like, you know, picking up something like um, one of your graphic novels, for instance, right? Yeah. Um, to me, when I when I start stuff like that, I often put it off because it is like I'm just like this could make me feel any number of things. Like I could. <laughs> What? No, I'm just laughing because I, I've sent out uh, PDFs to a bunch of people and as like a bunch of them have sent me emails like I haven't started yet because um, I don't want to think about things too much. Also, honestly, I'm worried um, I might like it too much or I might not like it at all. And I just have to be like, dude, it's OK. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not worried I'm not, about not, liking I'm it. Not, I'm not saying you're saying that. I was just funny. No, no, that I was, want that's you to what know. I was laughing about the, because also my friend. The other stuff, 100%. The liking stuff, I'm sure I'll like it. I'm not worried about yeah, that. My, my, friend, but, um, my friend Zach is like, I'm reading one chapter a, a week. And I was like, OK, the, no pressure, dude. Like, it's cool. <laughs> But like it's it's stuff like that where like I'll I'll put off stuff I really love like I I absolutely love uh, Dora Hodoro I think it's a I think it's one of the best comics I've ever read and like one of the reasons I don't know I like I just I think it's imaginative I think it's smart I think it uses violence in like really interesting ways as opposed to really predictable ways I just think it's great but like I also sit around and like you know blip blop on twitter instead of just like sitting down and reading a few yeah. chapters of it or like you know like no I, like, I, oh, I, I have, how can i how can i maximize my gotcha gains like it's like i have i have a version of the same thing where when there's shit i don't want to do i'll procrastinate i'll be like i'll do the shit i don't want to do first and then i can do the stuff i want to do but instead of doing that i just procrastinate and yeah, then yeah. go crazy yeah, exactly. and then do the shit I don't want to do and then don't do the thing that I wanted to do and repeat that process for like five weeks until I'm like oh, – Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be like I'll go hard at work so in the evening I can really just like relax and like watch an anime or read something or like finally play a game I want to play and then like just be like I went too hard at work. I got to get a nap. <laughs> yeah. It's like OK. Well, good work. It's like you really you really did it. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I think like, I think that, but I think that's part of it, right? Like we, we talk about being in like echo chambers or like safe spaces or whatever, like what, whoever you're talking to and whatever they're trying to make fun of, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll call it a different thing. But like, I think it's true that like our, our, our senses of like what is safe or dangerous or comfortable or not, you know, really, really speak to the way we, uh, consume things and especially the ways we consume art. And I think like, you know, going back to the culture industry thought, that's absolutely something that Adorno was interested in and absolutely something that he was getting at in, in thinking about the culture industry that like, yeah, look, you know, this is all pablum, but it's not like it's the fault of the people reading the pablum. Well, it's also the other thing. (laughs) It's set up in a great way. (laughs) The other thing that I've found like people I know who go the whole direction with sort of like an almost religious contemptist Monday thing of being like, all this was made under capitalism and is replicating capitalism is bad. Is like, is that they're really fun people? But I think everyone has a version of that. I know so many people who will only read one specific thing or watch one specific thing that they've decided almost arbitrarily doesn't replicate the evils of the world. And I've noticed that like the weirdest thing, and I've talked to you about this one million times, so I'm not going to get into it, but the, the fact that personalizing the original, the actual like personal problems, politics, sins, and humanity of artists 
And I'm not even saying like Woody Allen, like some child luster rapist, just an artist who could be a fallible person. Some people get so freaked out by that that they go and only consume corporate things that are faceless because they don't right. think they're going to get that. And the other weird thing Anti-auteur is, thinking, right? Yeah. Or, or they'll be into an auteur who's a foreigner so they can sort of, you know... Yeah. Start, oh, how dare start, you? Start like, project, it's not, it's... start projecting onto them kind of things because they might. I don't mean this in the worst way, but they might not fully see them as a human, insofar as they might not see them as having the same problems as the people of their own culture. Yeah. No. Of course. So, like, I, I just thought it was so funny that, like, not so much anymore, but I, I remember when I first joined Twitter, a lot of people got real, real angry about if there was any nudity or sexual themes in, in art, but it would mainly be like American superhero comics. I was like, Oh, <laughs> these people hate sex. But then the same people would just be like, Oh, I'm playing this really horny, insane Gynax princess razor game where you basically raise and then date your own princess daughter. And I was just like, you're mad when wonder woman dresses too sexy and you're playing this like really <laughs> bizarre, gross, fucked up, and it was like, oh, I think I don't even. I'm I'm punching up above my weight here because I don't remember the actual academic terms for this. But you know how people talk about erotics in art, in which is sort yes. of like I don't who who wrote that theory. I don't remember the. Uh, oh, I don't know the theory. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who have, it's, I, it's the idea that that you can understand pleasure in in art in the pleasure itself outside of talking about it systemically replicating okay yeah yeah, yeah. that's like yeah so basically talking about mimesis and the yeah. mimetic power power yeah i mean so, that sounds that's so, a, that's a lot of like second and like 2.5 wave feminism yeah is, is so really that that, that shows up in a lot of i think it also has to deal with like the you know recently people are talking about this again but this sort of like paranoid versus reparative views of an artwork you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And no, totally. I found that lots of people, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but lots of people in seeing a culture outside of their own can give things the benefit of the good reading that they don't within their own language of their own culture. Oh, 100%. And, and that surprised the hell out of me that when like a few years ago, there was a think piece going around that was like, you know, there's a lot of problematic shit in some anime. We all think of anime as being culturally progressive, but, and I was just like, who thinks of, anime on the whole is being culturally progressive. Like there's a lot of, who thinks of it as a monolith at all. <laughs> First of all, as a monolith is wrong, but also if you're going to talk about a median thing, there's a whole lot of blackface and, uh, Oh yeah. Right. And exactly. misogyny yes. in this shit. So like the, and idea like, of, and like, like the best people, like, uh, like Osama Tezu, uh, Tezuka, yeah, Tezuka, yeah, Tezuka, yeah, Toriyama, all, all of the greats have a whole lot of fucked up shit. So they'd be like, we're starting from a position of this is politically on the same page as me in 2015 or whatever is really weird <laughs> but it came to understand that, that, that these are people who like because it didn't remind them of or was like outside of that it didn't have the same problems for them mm -hmm, which I, mm -hmm. I think we all have i think we all have things where we're like well this gets a pass for no good reason other than i like it you know right I mean? yeah no 100 percent. i do yes, that all yes. the time like and I think, like, I, I think, listen to all like, the rap music of my childhood that, like, you know, I wouldn't say that shit out loud, and not right, even, not yeah. even because of slurs. I'm just saying, like, ideas about women and shit. You know, like, 
but it's like it's like I think the interesting thing is like when like that that fear of saying like where the fear comes from of saying like yeah I just like I just like this it's just <laughs> yeah. like it's a, it's a thing that I like like that as like a, a concern right as something that it's like oh I, I can't I can't say that like it's it, it's sort of like it's pretty pretty messed up for it's pretty messed up to like to to say like that this is good um, I think it's like it's actually kind of like you end up being sort of um, uh, vulnerable when you say like you just like something because you like it, right? Like I have no account of why this is good. It's just I like it. You can dislike it if you want, whatever. Uh, because because you're sort of expected to have these political takes on like why you consume art at this point at at all at all times, and yeah. not just political in terms of like. Well, what do you think? Like the the you know the the limit of the aesthetic is? It's like, well, that's kind of an interesting question. But like, what you're asking, you're not asking me that. What you're asking me is like, what do you think? Um, what do you think the whole? What do you think the point of like? Uh, what do you think the point of art is? It, it has to be. It has to be something that like uh, does one thing or another, and it has to be good or bad. Well, um, and yeah, like, once I mean, you get there, it's like, what what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's also the funny thing of like, there's a lot of art that I don't have a settled total opinion on. And I'm, if it means something to me, I might have an ongoing experience with it throughout my whole life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So right, not, yeah. not only, not only just the pass fail thing, but like the sort of like, well, this means this, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like, I think, I think like, you know, the idea of having art that compels you or does not compel you in a sort of, um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think like of, of how to say this, like the, the, the simple way of being able to say like, oh yeah, like this is good or this is bad removes any, any responsibility from you to actually like think through a piece of art as like and what it's saying like on its own terms right? yeah and i mean which also, is like way also, more way more uncomfortable than 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 actually like saying like yeah i i think this is morally good or morally bad it's well, like much more uncomfortable that's the thing i think without having that sort of forum where we have to weigh in on whether things passed or failed morally we would probably have a totally different experience with art. And the fact yeah, of the matter is, I, I think we only have that because we feel totally fucking powerless to actually, actually fucking do anything to the totally immoral people who are around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, for sure. That's, like, why, that's you why you get a headline that's like, why didn't uh, the writer of Lolita get the same treatment as Weinstein? <laughs> and it's like, more people haven't direct experience with a book than do with the monster Harvey Weinstein, but we all know he's a monster and he basically, maybe he lost his career, but he'll be rich forever or whatever the fuck. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it, the, 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 the question of like, why did, why, why does the, why is my Mises not punished the same way as the act is like yeah. a uniquely like a current question. I, I don't think that's like a question you could even, I, this is, this is a ridiculous thing to say a lot of times and it it's not entirely true, but like, I feel like you couldn't get the same total reception to that question in 19, you know, 25 that you could now. I wonder though, if like the whole thing about like when the novel first started, people were afraid of the novel destroying. Oh, for sure. Minds. Like back then you could probably be like, if somebody reads a, 
epic about a knight. Will they become a knight and go crazy? Like that's that's the plot of Don Quixote. It's like I'm just saying. Like no, you're right. You're absolutely correct. Actually, because like it is it is a sense of like you get this. Um, I mean, I, I this is I talk about this with in the book about like video games. Like one of the things that is similar to to like the rise of the novel and the rise of the video game is like people being concerned about like mimesis becoming like repetitive right where where like you get you have people say like um you have the you have it say like yeah i um i'm worried that when my kid plays doom they're gonna go shoot people well and it's like that's not that's not actually representation of it's it's funny though because i had such a weird journey with that being like a 90s kid that like when they were saying like Mortal Kombat is going to literally make everybody murderers. And I was like, fuck that. It's freedom, blah, blah, blah. But then like years later, finding out about like one of the Splinter Cell games has like interactive torture scenes and <laughs> stuff and being like, this must have some kind of like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that kids are going to go out and torture, but I was like thinking about it from a manufacturing of consent. Well, it's, it's so, far yeah, it more just like, ugh. Now look, let's not let's not give away the whole milk on my book here, but uh, before the people have to buy the cow. But the um, I'm just saying that, that it's it's all about it. My book's all about uh, metaphors that are used to sexually shame people and why they're useful. <laughs> um, but no, it's you know it's but it, it is like the 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 more pernicious thing and the thing that comes up now and it, and is never no one ever gains no one ever says anything bad about it is um, you know as you say manufacturing consent the idea that like. Well, we could do good violence because we can do military violence, and it could be like, you know, uh, the 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 character in Rainbow in Rainbow Six Siege who tortures is doing it on behalf of like the the good people of the U.S. government. Well, he would, no, he's um, also doing it so that Americans don't die, which was the story, right? I mean, that was the ah. Uh, uh, okay, I was thinking of I was thinking of uh, actually probably the worst example uh, in some ways because that is connected to a story maybe maybe it's even maybe I don't know if it's worse or not but there's a in the multiplayer game Rainbow Six Siege there's a, a Brazilian character who um, this, this their special forces who has a death's head on her uniform so yeah there's one thing cool. and her special move is you can basically track someone down and uh, torture them uh, before killing them to uh, to get the location of of other people on the map Oh yeah! Wow, that's that. See, that has a gameplay meaning to it. Makes it even crazier. I was yeah. just, I was just thinking about the uh, the fucking crazy, uh, the crazy thing of just kind of manufactured consent through the media of just being like, yeah, we would have had another nine eleven if we didn't torture. That they did <laughs> after the fact, after they got caught torturing, but we tortured some folks. <laughs> Ultimately. You know what? It's true. Hey, some what, what's cool is that none of those people ever faced any repercussions and they're still around. You get to hear I think their opinions neat. on Afghanistan and then a bunch of people get to get mad at each other about war because of who's like doing fandom wrong. <laughs> I think what I think is cool is that um, Obama said that thing and he's actually like the best guy in it, according to what we're supposed to understand. God. Yeah. Everything about that drives me so crazy. Just like a few weeks ago being like, here's a, here's an article from David from about how, uh, Afghanistan, us losing Afghanistan is your fault. (laughs) It's like you, the American reader and just being like, uh, God, (laughs) just like, I have a public, shut up forever. dude. I I have a public forum where I could reach out and say something to him, but I would get in trouble. So I'll just, uh, 
I do like I love the idea of reaching out to David from like I'll just reach out to David and see what he has to say about this. But anyway, David, David, it's Alex. I need to. We need to talk. Um, but anyway, but, so so yeah, it's just funny that when I was a kid, the whole idea of like violence in video games, I had the knee jerk thing of being like, it's fine, it's totally fine. But then like being like, oh, video games are more realistically violent than they've ever been, and nobody's mad about it anymore. There's a political reason to it. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like where, where in fact, like the reason that people don't get mad about video games being violent anymore is because like it actually serves a political purpose yeah. for them to be violent at this point. Um, anyway, yeah, I uh, so I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna we're at two hours, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say we should. Oh, it's almost two a.m. too. Yeah, it is almost time for our ideal bed, as we talked about. Yep. Uh, I, think that unfortunately, was, I think that was before the pod started. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, Patreon but so, like, I, boat now. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. I, yeah, I, I'm always recording every every interaction I have so I can put it on Patreon. Um, no, uh, you know, like, I think, I think um, you know, one of the things that, that really strikes me about our conversation is this tension between – replication of reality and then like trying to trying to hold that that mimetic representation of reality to some sort of task in order to say like you know it was good or it was bad that this happened and i think like that's really interesting in terms of like having to worry about like culture in a moment where like you know we're trying to hash out we're trying to hash out better redistributive justice for people who have been marginalized, but then also that urge that like, certainly like good urge to do that is, um, warped in a way to say like, and in fact, like you also need to reexamine, uh, the art you look at, even if you can argue that it's good, it's bad now. And well, that's like, I, I, I it's think, an odd thing, right? I, I think in a fundamental way, it is a made world. It's a world that was made by people. Everything we have, both in good and bad was made at some point. I'm saying the actual like cultural structures and, and uh, like, mm-hmm. political setups that we have, which is a freeing thing to think about because everything else, everything else in place is trying to teach us that this is forever and actually changing it is impossible. So there, there's something freeing about that. But the scary thing about that is how difficult it is to change it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think like, the reason I brought up earlier not wanting to relitigate Stalin to actually say that leftism is good and we have to reform Stalin to say that now is like politics is as much about what is right now and what has been, but is mostly about what can be. Mm, mm. To, to talk about the now and you're going to actually argue and fully express in a strong way, what the now is only, and that will change it. And the expression isn't true, nor will reforming the past do it. Yeah. I mean, all of those things come together to say, like, we have to decide what we think should be and then attempt to make it, you know, and that is a freeing thing as horrible as it is, because it comes with infinite possibilities of things going wrong and infinite responsibility. That's a right. free, that's a freeing thing that we're not prisoners of fate that we were just born into and can never change anything. Yeah. In fact, yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. And I think like, 
So, so, when, so when I say potentiality, I, I, I think that's in all things. And I'm not saying that mm. like it's some easy Pollyanna-ish thing where like, oh, I'm stuck in a corner, but I saw art that said maybe turn right. And I turned right and everything was good, you know, or like, like <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a maze and the art, <laughs> the art will be like the directions out of it. It's nothing that simple. But having ideas of things from people you may not know in ways that are even more than just a conversation is, is like a directed experience by somebody where they're trying to explain a thing maybe they don't fully understand is the importance of art <laughs> to mm. oversimplify. Yeah. But I mean, like, no, no. And it, it speaks to like the idea of attempts and strangeness and failure and, and, and like communication that doesn't work and communication that does work. Like, I think the sort of, one of the things that the gaming public, for lack of a more interesting word is, um, <laughs> Is that like, I think like one of the, one of the interesting, th one of the things that embarrasses them the most is the kind of, um, I don't know, almost like, uh, almost like total, um, not innocence, that's not the right word, but, um, I don't know, like the, the, the sort of like experimental, um, weight naifishness of, um of like independent gaming or like, like indie gaming in general, or like the idea of like, okay, like how are we going to, how can I codify this thing that I found? Um, it like, it like it's, it's freaky and weird. Um, yeah. and like that idea of just like expression that doesn't work is, is so, well, I, I don't know. It's so crucial. Back it's, to it's what, like what we were important. talking about earlier. Like, I don't think avant-garde art offending anybody would exist outside of the situation we're in where, you're paying for things and paying for things represents your time. Even when it's, mm, even, yeah, even yeah, when it's great, great point. Even when it's free stuff, even when it's a free indie game, people have the anger because they think of their time in that sense. Ideally, well, yeah, so ideally, this is like the, ideally without that pressure, you'd see some art that you didn't feel or understand and be like, ah, eh, it's not for me. You know, like, but right. the getting mad at it, I think is, is partially that. Well, this is like, this is the whole, this is the, the, the thing that I've been, that I talked about a little on the show about like the, the, the way that, um, you know, freemium games, uh, give you the option of using either your time or your money. Or your yeah. money. Yeah. And in fact, like most times you can pay with your time, but the, the, what's underrated is how, like how much it is a frustrating thing to lose your time yeah. and how quickly you're just like, I want to pay money instead of spending time doing this. I yeah. hate spending time doing this. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think it has a lot to do with money. I think it has a lot to do with, with confusion and fear and, and, and a desire for stability and, and coherence um, and, and art kind of like pushing back against all of that is, is, you know, really important. Well, um, also, also, I think there's art that is just like so much of art is like just like a to whom it may concern message, and maybe if you feel like it concerns you, and maybe you don't. But you yeah, know, it's funny. I understand the thing. I have it maybe knee jerk too much when I see a bunch of people being like, "This is the best thing that I think is bad." <laughs> I usually say something which is stupid because it never leads to good feelings unless I'm having. You know, unless it's nice. 
But uh, well, I, I have yeah, that you, too. you could do that with certain things, but uh, yeah, no, I I am the same way. I will, I will, I've done that before. I actually one time critiqued a, a friend's article without knowing it was written by them, oh, uh, and they were like, they were like, wow, this is rough to see right when I wake up. Oh no! So I was like, ooh, that's rough. Yeah, I shouldn't. You know, I still, I, I don't love this article, but you didn't deserve that. That's like. Oh, lots of times I'll also just make a broad kind of joke thing, kind of insulting an idea. And sometimes I know I've gone too far when I get like three DMs from people like, is this about me? And I'm like, no. Do you think I'm <laughs> insulting you in tweets broad, like subtweeting you? But that would be funny if you were. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine like. That isn't really your style, but I, you know, I don't know. I remember I, I weirdly, I, I made some joke about, uh, about the weird thing in the, the movie, the fuck, uh, the Adam Sandler movie, whatever gems, uh, Oh, uncut gems. I, I didn't like that. I hate those directors. Sorry. The Safties. The Safties. I think they suck. Um, but I made a joke about like, I'm the person who thinks that, Adam Sandler having dramatic acting chops is shocking. And I'm, I'm a clone of a person who said that like 15 years ago when he, last time he did this. And I'm also a clone of the person who said it about the Judd Apatow movie, just joking about how you get the same, you literally get the same PR pitch for a thing that you've had multiple times. Yes. You know, we, also joking, joking about clones. Like yes. Do. Joking about the clone of, of someone being newly born that they're having the same PR pitch for Adam Sandler that I've lived through three times about him. Like he can actually do drama, like whatever. I was joking about that. And then two separate people were like, are you making fun of my tweet where I said Adam Sandler was a good actor? And I was like, no, I was making fun of listening to NPR and hearing for the third time in my lifetime, a review of Adam Sandler having a dramatic turn as a revelation. I'm sorry. It's so I'm funny. I'm sorry. Everybody like... was tweeting the same thing and they thought I was making fun of them. I was actually mad at what the radio was saying to me at the time. <laughs> radio and your, yeah, it's just like, and, and telling people that makes you sound like a crazy person. Well, I'm already some a crazy reason. person. That's fine. No, well, I just, I just yeah. hope people don't think I'm subtweet sniping them for no reason. <laughs> you would never, you would never. Um, well, no, I think that's, yeah, I, I like, I like where we got on this. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you going on this, on this journey with me. It's late yeah. and we've been loopy, man. I hope it's, I hope it's, it's good. A, I no, hope it's intelligible. No, it's good. Well, uh, what, what, what should people be looking for from you? I got Obviously. nothing new. Uh, okay. I got stuff in, uh, if you, we had a long conversation about gamejolt.com in which if you look that up, you can see the eyes of the killer uh series or the the quote the killer series from uh Stephen Murphy aka the Catamites which I have already Oh the Catamites are great and yeah. that's the most newest thing I've got uh, a piece of art in the newest Funland magazine which is video game adjacent um Oh yeah we've had we've had uh Zach Kutzer yeah, on the show about it. And, yeah and uh and uh you got lemon prices up Oh I got lemon prices up but I also have a book that came out in 2020 called The March to Our Library. I've got a book that came out in 2018 called Soft X-Ray Mind Hunters. I recommend those. Um, yeah. So do I. That's it. That's what's going on. Perfect. Well, Deacon, thank you for being on. Thank you for, for chatting with me as always. Um, please come on again soon. Yeah, let's do another two and a half hours off mic. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, yeah, we should start recording soon. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Right, thanks. Bye. Bye.
Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to. 